listening to the Best Sales Sports Show on Stereo, the Young Black About It podcast. I am your boy Q. Um, yeah, don't drink too much because you'll be throwing up all day. <laughs> and don't drink, don't drink cheap tequila because you'll definitely be throwing up the next day. Anyway, the crew is all here. Cashley, Lou, Greg. Boy, we have a lot to talk about this week because a lot happened in the world of sports over the last week, and especially yesterday, week two of the NFL season. It is continuing tonight with a doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Um, the first game was the Tennessee Titans versus the Buffalo Bills. Last time I checked, this was about 45 minutes ago. The score was tied. Um, and then the game, the second game that just started about 15 minutes ago was the, is the Minnesota Vikings versus the Philadelphia Shitheads. I mean, I'm Eagles. <laughs> I can give you an update um, if you want. Go ahead. Uh, all right. The Buffalo Bills and Tennessee Titans, it's 17-7 Buffalo with 40 seconds left before halftime. And the Eagles and the Vikings game, the Eagles are winning 7 nothing in the first quarter. Okay. All right. Um, well, that's good to know. Thank you for that update. And with that Welcome. being said, uh, and with that being said, the title of this show is Touchdowns, Broken Tablets, and Fisticuffs. Because we had all of that yesterday. But before we talk about week two, we must talk about and discuss the world of wrestling um, that occur- occurred over the last week. And I, w- I have to say the last two weeks because Cashley was on vacation. Uh, so I hope you had a restful time. I did. Oh, you had a wrestle- well, I'm glad you had a restful time on your vacation. And the, sh- the floor is yours. Yes. Well, um, hey, y'all. How y'all doing? Um, this is Cash from the Melanin Mat. And yeah, like you said, there's a lot that happened, especially in the world of wrestling. Uh, let me see. Get started from the WWE. Uh, they recently had a, uh, a press conference for their Crown Jewel pay-per-view, which is coming November 5th. Uh, and that's really one of their big ones from Saudi Arabia. So uh, they had a press conference for that. And they announced that the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns, will be facing Logan Paul for the title at Crown Jewel. Um, when I initially saw this, uh, I didn't know what to initially think. I thought, okay, they just need some fresh meat to throw at him. You know, there's really no one else left at this point for him to kind of tackle. So, <laughs> I mean, I, and I don't think that Logan Paul is going to be any real competition for him. But, hey, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But, yes, Roman Reigns will face Logan Paul at Crown Jewel in November. Uh, nextly. Uh, Survivor Series, it was announced that uh, Survivor Series will have war games included in the pay-per-view, at least two matches. So normally the way that works is there's going to be a war games match for the men and the women. And it happens normally with two rings side by side. 
and they're both encased uh, in a steel cage. Now, if you, you know, all the wrestling OGs, you remember this, this pretty much began in WCW um, during their War Games pay-per-view. So it's pretty much a continuation on that. Uh, so that's going to be happening at Survivor Series as well. Uh, nextly, it was also reported that the Hulu deal that WWE has is set to expire. Uh, as as of the last report, the talks may be still underway, so it may be renewed down to the wire, but WWE does still have Peacock, which is cheaper and pretty much has the same exact programming. So kind of looking at it, it really wouldn't make too much sense for them to renew, but hey, who knows? It, it's still owned by Disney, so they may want to maintain that relationship. So um, next up, we have a new NXT North American Championship. Continuation uh, of the Bloodline, Solo Sokoa, who is uh, Jimmy and Jay's little brother, is the new NXT North American Championship, defending, uh, who won against defending champion Carmelo Hayes. Uh, Solo Sokoa nice. did defend his title against Mad Cat Moss on SmackDown this past Friday, and won, of course. But I, I, I thought that was interesting that they would have Solo Sokoa defended on SmackDown. So. I'm starting to see a slight little trend. You know, I'm seeing a little bit of trend under Triple H. I think he may want to bring a little bit of NXT uh, elements to the main roster. So uh, will WWE be more like NXT under Triple H? I mean, we'll see. Yeah, who knows? Uh, Next up, we have uh, a new member of Judgment Day. Dominic Mysterio is now a part of Judgment Day. And I got to say, I got to say, though, it's actually a good look for him. <laughs> it's actually a good look yeah, for him. He needs something. Yeah. And <laughs> for those that aren't aware, this all had, all went down at Clash of the Castle when Dominic turned on not only his dad, Rey Mysterio, but turned on Edge as well. So now he's with, you know, Rhea Ripley. Um, Damian Priest and Finn Balor, so they're now a collective now in Judgment Day. Which, like I say, which I think is a good look for him. Uh, we also have new women's tag team champions. Um, Dakota Kai and Io Sky defeated Raquel Rodriguez and Aaliyah, who, in my opinion, um, they they may have been just you know cute little title holders for a short time, but I think. Raquel was so far ahead of Aaliyah. She was going to carry that whole team, and it it wouldn't have looked good after a long period of time. So, I, I think I think this is this is the right move, and it should have happened from the beginning. So, um, yeah. So that's it for WWE side so far. As as you know, there's always something going on there. But moving on to AEW. Drama, drama, so much drama, conflicting reports. Um, yeah, so <laughs> this all began after All Out. Uh, basically, there was a press conference held, and CM Punk pretty much just, he just let off. You know, he was talking about Coca Banna, how he was pretty much financially supporting him, and, you know, there was a whole lot of, Accusations talking about he was sharing accounts with his moms and he had no money and all that. 
But he also went in on Adam Cole, uh, basically saying that Adam Cole went into business for himself and, you know, almost messed up a $2 million grossing show that CM Punk felt that he had uh, generated off of his back. Now, depending on who you ask, they, you know, you might agree with them, you might not, you know, uh, you know, who knows. But in any event, the uh, executive vice presidents did not take too kindly to that. Now, who's the executive vice president, you ask? Well, that's Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks. Yes, the elite, the current um, trios champion, who well, used to be trios champion before they were suspended, are also the EVPs of AEW. So that begs a real question here. Well, actually, two questions. Should EVPs be performers? And is CM Punk really the issue here? Now, Depending on who you ask, you may get a bunch of different answers, but should they be performers? I say no. Because we yeah. like I said, we've seen we've seen this before with WCW, right? When Kevin Nash went in, was running the show, but still mm-hmm. in the ring too. And we see how that turned out. The finger poker doom, we saw how that turned mm-hmm. out. So <laughs> And also, is CM Punk really the issue? Like I said, you know, I think we know he had his ways. But there were some folks who were interviewed backstage and they were like, well, he's actually very helpful. Like he gives advice and all of that. So it it really kind of depends on who you talk to, you know. But, you know, (laughs) what do you guys think about that? Um, You want to go first, Lou? Well, what I was going to say, like, I agree with Cashley. Um, no, executive vice presidents should not be performers. Um, two, I didn't know that Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks were the executive vice presidents until she oh, just yeah. said so. Yeah, I had yeah. no clue. No clue at all. He's, he's mm-hmm. talking about EVPs, EVPs at his press conference. And I'm thinking of, like, guys in suits who are just running their mouth. <laughs> so, uh, right, yeah, yeah, that's... That's uh, that's major, major news to me. So, mm-hmm. and the whole thing with CM Punk is, you know, like you know, you know, putting blame on Adam Cole and stuff like that. CM Punk was the draw, and everybody found out he was coming to AEW, mm-hmm. and then when Adam Cole showed up, he's like the new shiny car. You know what I mean? Right. And so everybody was like, you, you know, on him. So, you know, is CM Punk in the wrong here? Maybe. Um, but I, I know there's got to be way more to this story than, than people are saying right now. Right. And the most interesting part is the fact that, you know, Tony Khan is kind of sitting back letting all of this run amok. I think that's the right. interesting part about it. Because and, and that's really the standout, what really stands them out from WWE. This isn't going to happen in WWE. And if it does, they're going to capitalize off of it and make you think that it's a storyline. That's how mm-hmm. good WWE is at spinning things. AEW still has a lot to learn from what I see as far as like keeping things together backstage. Mm-hmm. Because, again, like, who are the wrestling minds in that company that are really in his ear telling him, okay, this is how this should be done. This does not need to happen this way. You need to get this guy in line before it gets out of hand. I don't think he has that. And that's a problem. 
And, yeah. you know, that's probably why he's so upset at WWE and how they really, you know, backed him up, you know, with all those pay-per-views they had that weekend went all out. So he was upset about yeah. that. Like He took that personally, but it's like, dude, that's business. Right, right. Exactly. That's the wrestling business. So, you know, you need to be prepared for things like that. And he's showing his immaturity with the, with the wrestling business. Yeah, you may have a lot of money, but you don't have the wrestling business knowledge. And that's what's going to hurt him. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, we've seen this before. Yeah. yeah he just, I, I guess the only thing I really want to say is he feels like he can throw money at every problem and it's supposed to solve right. it. Right. And it, it just hasn't proven to be effective. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people bought in on AEW because of Cody. So yep. Cody leaving was kind of like the the end of the demise. But when your money is that long, you can mm-hmm. draw like anybody. So I, I feel like AEW is like here to stay. But we just have to deal with like uh, um, like a Daniel Snyder. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he's like a Daniel Snyder when it comes to AEW. It's like, yeah, like your your team doesn't really have the best record, but you have long money. So it's like mm-hmm. you have to be around at this point. But the thing is, there are going to be people who like Tony Khan and campaign for him because he's keeping money in their pocket because they have a gripe against the WWE or more mm-hmm. importantly, Vince McMahon. But Tony's great from what I've gathered because I don't really know too much about him is mm-hmm. he's thinking that like the the football like way of thinking about like sports and entertainment mm-hmm. apply to wrestling and it just he doesn't know that it doesn't like people don't even right. say, I'm almost sure that he does understand like WrestleMania weekend is like the Super Bowl so he doesn't mm-hmm. have his Super Bowl yet He's just one of those right. guys who's like, you know what? I have this money and I'm going to throw it at everybody. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that I saw that um, were retweeting the MJF uh, videos and stuff like that. So I watched mm-hmm. a few of it and I was like, mm-hmm. he's making valid points, but let's not sit here and act like he's not in pocket. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just right. I hope my right. personal opinion that AW last, when I say that, mm-hmm. meaning like, even if he thinks he's going to be a Vince, there has to be somebody under him to be like, hey, you know what? Like, I guess that's what the Kenny Omega is for and the Young Bucks are for. So mm-hmm. I guess to answer the original point of the question of, like, do I think that they should be wrestling? I think their roster is so long that they don't need to wrestle, but they mm-hmm. also have to be visible. And the only way they can be visible right. is if they're wrestling. So right. if they, you know, go completely Good behind point. the scenes, yeah. like, a Booker T or Taz, like you know how like when they were like, all right, we're gonna work with creative. It's like, yeah, you can mm-hmm. because like you're kind of like older. So in like five or ten years, when people are like, all right, Kenny Omega, thank you so much. He has a guaranteed job. So that's the one thing I can give Tony Khan credit for. He's like, you know what? When they stop wrestling, they're already in house. They're not gonna go to the other brand because I've given them like stake in the company. So they're mm-hmm. planning to stay there for the long term. The issue right. though is if you start doing like Vince was doing. And having people with these allegations and people just getting pissed off because of the brand itself and the person mm-hmm. running it, then they're going to jump ship. Only good thing for Khan right now is the fact that he signed everybody that Vince pissed off, and a mm-hmm. couple of those exactly. just won't get you know they won't get rebuilt. It's just more so it's like 
they're there for the long haul because honestly, the AEW is their like last stop. That's it. Once that's mm-hmm. done, they're going to retire. Sting's not going anywhere else. I, I know that to be like right. frank. Um, I don't personally feel like Darby Allen would ever end up do, you know, doing WWE because as much as I like him, it's like, where else can you really go? Um, also, like Luchasaurus. I think Luchasaurus is on AEW, right? I want to say he's... He is. Uh, he yeah. Is. So it's like, okay, like he would end up being like... Um, I forgot what the guy's name was. That was it. The, like the boogeyman of shit over mm-hmm. at, uh, what's the name? At WWE. It's like your characters translate so well at AEWs because you guys look like the, I, I hate that I'm about to say this. You guys are like the rejects from WWE. Like the people who just couldn't <laughs> make it there. <laughs> and even if you do make it there, it's like the ceiling for you is NXT. And it's like, okay, wait, I can just main event here or co-main event at AEW. So why not? Like, why not just stay here? So I feel like Khan right now, the only thing that's really fucking him up is him continuously putting his foot in his mouth. Once he stops mm-hmm. there, like the sky's the limits for AEW. But Kenny and them, they have to be doing double duty because Cody's gone. If Cody was still in the position they were in, like, honestly, Kenny Omega could have taken longer off for, you know, his injuries and stuff like that. He could have just been working behind the scenes. Young Bucks, too. It's like, no, let's just be back here. They don't need us right now. But they need to, in the next, like, eight to ten months, start working on that roster and building people up. I'm, the Miros of the world and the, even the Luchasaurus. Right. Like, work those people in because if Punk does what he does with everything else and quit, AW falters. Like, nobody wants to see Jericho anymore. Nobody cares about Christian. Uh, like, we're kind of done with the nostalgia of, like, that. But if CM Punk, like, does what he did for UFC, he he lost, and all of a sudden he's like, I quit, which I feel like he's going to do at AEW. Where can AEW go? And, you know, kind of, like, harping back to WWE, if Roman just says, you know what, I'm just going to hang it up, kind of like The Rock did, what, nine years mm-hmm. ago? It was like, mm-hmm. now what do you do? Like, you yeah, money man. Like, yeah, and I think in, in that case, the WWE may be in a in a tougher spot. However, with AEW, I definitely agree with your point. And now, and I and I also think that they need to keep Mox happy too, because yeah. Yeah. Mox yeah. could also be that top dude. Mm-hmm. But really speaking yeah. of AEW and really keeping people happy, uh, Malachi Black released his statement uh, oh, wow. about his release um, and pretty much how he wasn't happy about how different narratives were really being leaked from AEW. Um, I think if there is ever a talent where both companies have really dropped the ball, it was definitely with Malachi Black. Um mm-hmm. He's really one of those top talents, and in AEW, they just they didn't know how to book him. You know, it, it's yeah. one of those things where you can get a top talent from another top company, but if you don't know how to utilize them, exactly. they're just there, and they're not going to be happy. And Andrade is another one. He's another one where the way they've been booking him is just terrible, and he's just yeah. a top lucha talent. So it's like. But you know, like you know, you know, just like with you know, in WCW days, like they were mm-hmm. signing people like Brett, but they didn't know how to book. Yeah, well, I think you the know? the issue for me, and I'll be really brief. Like the issue for me 
is they go over to AEW expecting to be main eventers. Like, I guess they get, like, sold this, like, creator package. It's like, hey, like, yeah, right. potential exactly. in you. Yeah. And then they get there, and it's like, now I see what they meant. Like, you aren't the, like, I don't want to say the elite, but it's like, yo, like, you're, like, the intercontinental level. You're not world title level. And the reason why is because you haven't built you up. Like, I like Malachi Black, but he is, like, he's just not that. Like, he's, like, how can I put it? Like, he couldn't be the Miz. Like, he can't be that guy who could just literally just, like, float between titles because he's always been marketed as that guy who's always the underdog. And it's like, just fucking put a bell on him. But now it's too late. Like, you have people who, like him, he was in, what, WWE for, what, four or five years? So if he's there that long, you're not putting titles on him. You have him with, like, valets and doing tag team. Like, yeah, like... Give him a chance with the title instead of giving the title to somebody who just doesn't fucking matter, knowing that everything he did in NXT. But again, that's a Vince thing. So now I hate to be the person that says it. This class of like NXT wrestlers from like 2013 to like 2019, like those NXT people who got called up, like they're always going to be in the position that they're in. They, they can't come up from that. Vince buried them so much now that regardless of what brand they go at, that's their name. That's their gimmick. Mero, for example, like he's always going to be that like seen as that Mero. He's not going to be seen as like the Rusev who could have won the fucking title. And like, cause they buried him every point. Bray yeah. Wyatt's like, yo, like Bray, if he can't, you know, if he ever went to AW or, you know, comes back, it's like, oh, like he has a status because like he had to do it himself. A lot of those guys just don't do it themselves. They were expecting to like be a Vince guy or even be like a Triple H guy. But the difference is like those two clashed heads all the time. So Triple H is like, you know what? We're going to get you in the title picture. And Vince is like, I don't see it. And he always superseded that. So now Malachi Black is over at A. Well, he was over at AEW. And Tony's like, oh, like, well, let me go to the film. You know how they like coaches would say, let me go to the film. They go to the film mm-hmm. and they just see you wrestling like Mr. Nobody. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I can't market you as somebody who is going to beat a Roman or beat a Moxley when you were just like historically fighting like entry level people. And then it's like questionable matches. Nobody cares. So Malachi Black, like the only way he can come back now is if he goes back to WWE and they instantly like feed him the Roman. They instantly yeah. have to do it. They can't be, oh, we're just going to have him, him come in and he's going to be taking on, you know, Edge in one-on-one matches for four straight weeks. Like, what the fuck? Nobody cares. Like, or, or, what? or, or, okay, okay. I'm, my, my last statement, or no, you're he fine. can join Edge and go against Judgment Day. No, I like that. Well, I would, I would think that he was, I, I would think they'd stick him in Judgment Day. But have you... Damn, like that would be that's what that's six people though, right? Like if they ha- yeah, be, yeah, honestly. But if you do that, I think the reason why I say they they wouldn't do that is because most of the people that Edge is kind of like historically around are now like 45, 50 years old. He has to have the age to match Judgment Day. I can't see him bringing in like Bubbery and Devon Dudley to take on the fucking Judgment Day where they just squashed him at a Royal Rumble match and we're like Wait, so they built up this Judgment Day versus Edge thing, and then like old alumni come in and just like do the 
the senior in high school shit where they just like beat up on the freshman and all of a sudden everything's good. Like, no, like I want, in my personal opinion, I just want Malachi Black to do that. I don't even know what other four people you could put with Edge though, but Malachi Black just seems to be like that guy. He wants to be in WWE that bad. It only makes sense. But who, like, who else would you put with Edge other than him? Mm. That's another good question. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of it off, off the top of my head, but even if it's just mm. the two of them, and they just, like, single-handedly take them out one by one by one, because, I mean, there's no real women unless, actually, no, they can't bring, I mean, they could bring um, Sasha Banks back, and then she joins Judgment Day and takes on Rhea Ripley. Yeah, that could be a thing, I guess. Um, well, I mean, she's at New York Fashion Week, so she she might have other ambitions. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, I ain't want to derail the conversation. I just, I got really, like, defensive about the whole con thing because when you guys first started talking about AEW, I was so excited. I was like, yo, like, I finally have, mm-hmm. like, something to watch. I, I remember saying this at the end of last year. I was like, I'm going to focus on AEW, and that lasted like three months. And I was like, oh, what is going on? Like, then, like, the punk right, thing happened. See, I'm so excited. And then, just like, where are we now? Right. And I think that's, I think that's where a lot of us wrestling fans were. It's like, we, is that, you know, especially if we've been watching wrestling all throughout the years, we saw what happened when WCW got bought out. Like, there was a mm-hmm. whole monopoly, and the product suffered, the business suffered, right? So now we have AEW, which we felt like is this real viable company that can really give you an alternative. So to see them kind of go down this path that we've seen before is like, no, y'all got to tighten up because, you know, know, what's going to happen to the business if we go back to where it was like 25, 30 years ago when they got, you know, bought out. You know, mm-hmm. and you know, and then what happens to performers? You know, most of all, you know, what what are their options? So, you know, I think we all want AEW to really make it. However, I think I, I think Tony Khan really has got to. I think he's got to you know step out of his own way and really get some real influence around him. Like he needs a real solid wrestling team around him not no not on no ego stuff not on no yes men stuff because he's got the money like they need a real solid team and i think that's where wwe again has the leg up because yeah at, we all knew that vince was running the show however there were folks around him that still had inputs and even mm-hmm. now with triple h yeah triple h just had a creative but there is still a team of folks behind him and around him that he knows he can mm-hmm. listen to. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So that's why they'll always be a leg up. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think overall we do want AEW to really make it. But uh, moving on to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, I was able to make that show on Sunday. Um, I landed in Vegas around... 12 o'clock, got to the mm-hmm. hotel, and then made my way over to the show, like, or maybe around 5 o'clock. Um, and I was there from maybe, like, 5 to about 9 or 10. It was a pretty long show. But um, 
for New Japan Strong Autumn Action. I'll just give y'all the winners of the card. So the first match, we had Ari Davari, who defeated Kevin Knight. Now, Ari Davari, y'all might remember him from WWE as well. Um, the next match, we have West Coast Wrecking Crew uh, defeating uh, Jacob Austin Young and G Sharp. And singles match, we have Doc Gallows, who defeated Che Cabrera. Next, we have Chris Dickinson, who de- uh, defeated, well, actually, it's a double countout with Fred Rosser. Uh, next match, we have Yuya Yurimura, who defeated Christopher Daniels. Juice Robinson defeats Ren Narita. Shota Umino defeats QT Marshall. Alex Zane and Mystico defeated Blake Christian and Mascara Dorada. Aussie Open defeated Team Filthy. Tom Lawler defeats Tomohiro Ishii. And Shingo Takagi defeats Rocky Romero. And then in the main event, we have Bullet Club, Jay White and Carl Anderson versus Homicide and Wheeler, Utah, with Bullet Club taking that win. And that was pretty much the end of the show there. Um, overall, I really enjoyed the show. I think these New Japan strong matches are really good because they're they're more intimate. You know, they, they're the more smaller venues. It's probably maybe 200 folks max, right? So the smaller venue is more intimate. You're getting more of the dojo guys, and then you're getting more of the top stars. Top, uh, top stars. So it's really that nice mix of talent there. So I really enjoyed the show. Of course, I, me being a big Shingo fan, it was nice to see him live. But um, kind of going to end my uh, wrestling talk with the main event that I wanted to get into. So. Pro Wrestling Illustrated Magazine has released their annual Top 500, this time for the year 2022. And um, let's just say I have an issue with that list already. But um, I'm not going to run off the whole 500 because we just don't have that kind of time. But what I will do is run off the top 20 because that alone will tell you (laughs) what the deal is. And I'll just start you off from the bottom at the 20. So number 20, we have Drew McIntyre. Number 19, we have Kenny Omega. At 18, Adam Cole. And number 17, we have Seth Rollins. Number 16, we have MJF. Number 15, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Number 14, Josh Alexander. Number 13, Matt Cardona. Number 12, John Moxley. Number 11, Shingo Takagi. Number 10, Jonathan Grisham. So now we're in the top 10. So number nine, we have Big E. Number eight, El Hijo del Vikingo. Now he's a lucha uh, wrestler. He's AAA champion of that promotion. Hold on one second, one second, one second. Got to cut you off. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big E. It's exactly (laughs) what I thought too. Right, right, because... I mean, let's be real. We love Big E, right? But his right. championship reign was not the most memorable. Not not due to any fault of his own. It, it's booking, you know. But he didn't have a really good reign, and he's been hurt for most of the year. So, yeah, I kind of agree with that. And I probably should have started off with the criteria as well. So let me run that down real quick. So, um. Well, basically, they've been doing these lists since 1991. So it, it, it's pretty pretty long running. So the evaluation period is from July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2022. 
and they look at in-ring achievement, influence, technical ability, competition and activity, all that good stuff, right? Um, so with that in perspective, um, Kenny Omega made the list. Right. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> right. I thought I thought the football bias was crazy though. Yo, didn't he just get back like I, a month ago? But wait a minute, I'm not even done yet. <laughs> oh, this is gonna get so, bad. This is gonna get bad. <laughs> number seven, Brian Danielson. Number nope. six, Cody Rhodes. Wow. Number five, Ooh. Bobby Lashley. What? what? Four. Me again. Number four. Me, me. <laughs> me and Greg both at the same time said, what? <laughs> number four, Adam Page. Okay. Number three, CM Punk. Oh, my God. Number two, Kazushka Okada. And guess well, who number one Goldberg. is? Goldberg. <laughs> uh, of course, Roman Reigns, right? It yeah, be Roman Reigns be. is number one, top five hundred for the second time in his career. I just yeah. Uh, there's so many names. On Huge question marks on that. Yes, my, my thing is, do they only like? Do people just like have their favorites, and then they have like the people you have to choose? Like, if they're not on the list, like you can't write the list anymore. Like you can no longer edit for this company because the Roman thing, I Look, get, they've been dick riding him for three years, but CM Punk literally just got back. We also, and then he was injured and then just came back and right. Adam starting shit makes the list. Whatever. Right. Um, the Adam page thing I, I can live with the big E shit for me, him rounding out the top 10. Like we, I don't even know where, when was the last card that he was on? Was it WrestleMania? It had to have been. Uh, the last time we saw him was on that SmackDown that he got. Where he got injured, I think that yeah. was a yeah, and that was a SmackDown after Mania, I think. Exactly. So we have not seen him since April. Right. And even when we did see him, he wasn't doing anything but gyrating from July 2021 up until what Royal Rumble of 2022. Right. Yeah, like his so, has been bad. Yeah. And then when he gets back, you know, like that's like putting our truth in the top fifty. Like, oh, I guess he's just gonna be top fifty. Like what, what does he do? Oh, he just cracks jokes backstage. His Instagram is better uh-huh. than his wrestling in the past five years. So you know, I, I don't have anything. Normally I have a whole bunch of shit to say. This list wow. look mm-hmm. I went through the, the entire five hundred today and uh what I what I have to say is that I'm really disappointed that no women made it to the top twenty. Only one woman performer made the top fifty, and that was Trisha Dora. She's she's a black performer. Um, however, no Bianca Belairs, no Becky Lynch's, no uh, there were no even no Tokyo Joshi, so no Suri's or. Uh, Utami's from Japan, like none of them made the top 50, which is very, mm-hmm. very, very disappointing because we know even Bianca Belair, she had a huge year. And if we're talking that from- That list is disappointing. Yeah, if we're talking from July until like June, I mean, cast like Cody Rose, they, he, 
I mean, if you want to put him in the top 20, fine, but he should have not been in the top 10. Um, yeah, definitely not. You know, I, I kind of feel like now where John Moxley kind of fell in, it kind of made sense because he was, he was um, taking care of himself for a greater part of 2021. And then he came back um, maybe around sometime this year. So I can kind of see why he landed where he did. However, you have the Josh Alexanders who have been pretty consistent over the impact, the Matt Cardona's, even Shingo Takagi. Shingo Takagi in 2021 was huge for New Japan. So he should have been further up. Brian Danielson, in my opinion, should have been num- at least number two or number three. Like, I don't even feel like Okada should have been number two. Because Okada, his temperature reign this time around wasn't as huge as his previous reign. So I don't even think he should have made in the number two. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> and no no Jay White, they didn't make the top 20. Well, Osprey didn't make the top 20. Zack Sabre Jr. didn't make the top 20. Uh, Mike Bailey didn't make top 20. Uh, wow. Yeah. <clears throat> But, um, oh, and Edge made the list. Edge, Edge actually made the top 100 at number 65. <laughs> and he was ahead of Malachi Black. And uh, let's see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was ahead and ahead of Swerve and Keith Lee. Yep. Like I said, it's a pretty interesting list, and it, it, and and like I said, things like this are really interesting in wrestling because you can't tell me that there isn't an element of popularity involved. You know, mm-hmm. like we want people to really look at our magazine, so we have to make a list that you know appeals to a certain crowd. And um, Jonathan Grisham, I kind of feels like he's still not getting the flowers that he deserves. He's a um, a black wrestler and um, one of the best. And I feel like he's still not getting the flowers that he deserves. Um, yeah. I'm just really still fucked up about being, <laughs> being in the top 10. That, I'm, yeah. Like, I'm, yeah, that list. And Bobby Lashley, and then, Bobby Lashley runs out of the top five. That kind of surprised me a bit. Yeah, I, yeah, I I agree. So, but apparently, with B Big E up here, whoever voted for him, I guess got some like a free box of bootios or some shit. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Lifetime supply. Yeah, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, that's pretty much. The wrestling roundup, and I thought that was a great way to end my wrestling segment there. But um, I see that there's a voice note. So should we play the voice notes? Well, um, yeah, let, let's see what they. <laughs> let, let's see what Donald J. Trump has to say. Nobody <laughs> loves sports more than I do. Quite frankly, nobody loves it better than I do. Bring me up into your panel. Come on, let's go. Let's go. You know what? <laughs> Next week, when he joins the room, we're just going to give him the floor. Oh, we are going to give yeah, him the floor. Why not? Why not? 
Because why not? I gotta hear this again. I'm sorry. Hold on. I gotta hear this again. Nobody loves sports more than I do, quite frankly. Nobody loves it better than I do. Bring me up into your panel. Come on, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah, from now on, we just, uh, when we get a voicemail, we're just going to have to play that shit. We're going to stop what we're doing because we do not want to <laughs> miss that content. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> that guy wow. showed up in our <laughs> Wow. Mm-hmm. I looked down. I saw it, too. I was like, what? Oh, man. Uh, yeah, oh, right? No. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no. Like, first of all, you're allowed on Stereo. I thought you wasn't allowed on any other, or any social media. Any platform. Right. <laughs> play on his Twitter copy that he has called True Social. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, Donald. Oh, Donald. Just go to jail. <laughs> but anyway. Huge. Anyway. It was huge. Yeah. Um, Sorry, but yeah, back to EQ. Cash, thank you for that wrestling update. Um, I see there's been a lot going on in wrestling. Um, yeah, all right, so moving on, moving on, transitioning from wrestling to the National Football League, or should I say the National Wrestling Football League? Because, yeah, we had some fisticuffs in the league yesterday. Um, but before we talk about um, resting, you know, telling the tablet of Tom Brady to rest in peace, let's get into the most important story of week two, and that is Trey Lance. He broke his ankle yesterday um, in a game in a game against uh, you know, they I don't, it doesn't matter. Um, but he broke his ankle in the first quarter, and he is out. He actually had surgery today. And he is out for the rest of the season. <sighs> you know, there's unfortunate. That, unfor- it, it is very unfortunate. It's very unfortunate. You know, his, his second year, first year as a, as the team starter. Um, um, so it's unfortunate that you know his season has to end on an injury. But there is there was a lot of rumblings before he got injured that. Uh, you know, before he got injured, and especially now that the 49ers are actually a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo returning to his regular role as the starting quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm going to read that story. I'm going to read that story. And this is a report, a mutual report, of course. You know, mutual report always got the rumors. The San Francisco 49ers lost starting quarterback Trey Lance for the season due to, to a broken ankle during Sunday's win over the Seattle Seahawks. See, that's why I didn't remember who the 49ers played because it's a team that doesn't matter at this point. Seattle, they suck. Um, but some within the organization reportedly believe they may be better suited for a Super Bowl run now that Jimmy Garoppolo is under center. Uh, Michael Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle reports, quote, this is the part no one wants to say publicly, but something several players and coaches enunciated privately in the wake of Sunday's game. The 49ers are a better team right now with Garoppolo as quarterback than they were with Lance. Two sources even told Silver, I can't say it, but you can. It seemed most inevitable when the 49ers decided to keep Garoppolo this offseason instead of trading him that there will be a point in the season 
when some questioned whether he should be the starter. After all, he is 33 and 14 as a starter in his career and led the team to the NFC Championship game last season and the Super Bowl during the 2019 campaign. Any Lance, any Lance struggles, which they were plenty in a season opening loss to the Chicago Bears. And you know what? We can throw that game out. So that was a monster. That was a monster. Driving rain. The field was a muck. We got we to gotta give him a pass on that one. And the questions about Garoppolo would naturally follow. However, a serious injury to Lance is not how anyone, even those who believe the team is better with the veteran on the center, wanted to get to the point that Garoppolo was back as the quarterback moving forward. One silver lining is that it is hard to find a better insurance policy than a signal caller who is familiar with head coach Kyle Shanahan's system. Garoppolo has largely done nothing but win with the talent and supporting cast around him to this stage of his career. He won again Sunday by going 13-21 for 154 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, and running for another score. It was a Garoppolo-like performance where he didn't dazzle with any incredible individual plays but get enough to put his team in position to win. That formula has worked for the 49ers in the past, and some within the organization believe it will for the rest of this year as well. So, are the 49ers a better team now that Trey Lance is out for the season and Jimmy Garoppolo is back as the starting quarterback? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, so they too. are. He's already taken. He so took him to the playoffs twice, and the Super Bowl. Not Don't forget that. Not yeah, just the exactly. And the Super Bowl. The yeah. NFC Championship game just last season. Even though he was damaged goods with that the soda injury that he had, and three years ago, he took them to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know why San Francisco. I mean, just because they drafted Trey Lance, that you know they just kind of brush Jimmy aside, like. All right, you're, you know, I understand. You got, again, going back to like how I was explaining earlier, you got that new shiny car. So, you know, we got to drive it. But, I mean, they were going to trade him. <laughs> they were going to trade him. And here's the thing like, yeah, that's, yeah, you got the Porsche, you got the Porsche in, in, in the driveway. But don't forget the Toyota that, that got you almost mm-hmm. to the promise, that got you uh-huh. on the doorstep of the promised land. Right. Yeah. I just don't think they want to admit that the team prefers Jimmy. The coach prefers Trey Lance. But here's the thing. I don't. I can see that. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's. I don't even think it's Kyle Shanahan. I think it's John Lynch. Because Shanahan's offense is Shanahan's offense is tailored for a quarterback that mm-hmm. stays in the pocket and like has a little bit of mobility, but mostly stays in the pocket. He had that, and let's, let's look at the quarterbacks he's had, he's coached over his coaching career, both as a head, head coach and as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, he had, he had, okay, when he was with Washington, he had Robert Griffin III. Mm-hmm. He, Changed his entire offense to fit Robert, to fit RG3. But then he had a traditional quarterback, a little mobility in Kirk Cousins. When he went to Cleveland, he had RG3 again. But let's look at the, let's look at his time in Atlanta. 
with a statue in Matt Ryan. I think Shanahan, Shanahan's offense is tailored for, is tailored just, you know, exactly for for Jimmy. Yeah. You know, like he like he he runs a he runs a, a somewhat rest coast screen, short passes, lot that um count you know the counter tray, the counter tray eye formation, you know, pull you know zone zone read. That's a that's a, that's the exact type of system that Jimmy Foolish is in. Uh, and pass foolish though, and I don't think I just that, I don't think that I don't think that Trey and I I I, I, I I'm hope I'm wrong because uh, the kid definitely has talent, definitely has talent as a dual as a dual threat quarterback, but mm-hmm. this is not the system for him. Yeah, the thing is, like the Shanahan wants to run. That's why he has. The that's team, why San Francisco has nine running backs. Well, the thing is, like, I'm I'm trying to find like the best wording to. Okay, I got it. San Francisco isn't supposed to run their offense like Arizona. They keep forcing themselves to believe that they are Arizona. They're not Arizona. They're not even Minnesota. They are. The fucking San Francisco 49ers. They win in the air. They need a capable quarterback who, just like, I hate to say this, the guy that they wanted so bad, Aaron Rodgers, they just need the guy who's going to get the ball to the receiver. It's really that simple. It literally got them to the Super Bowl by just going with that method. They decided not to. They decided that they were going to, you know, go away from what's always been the Niner way, which is running the ball, to Shanahan's trick plays because it worked for a season and a half in Washington, and it worked for two seasons there. But just like every other team, including Kansas City, once you get figured out, gets fucked up. You have Jimmy G there, who was under arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time in Bill Belichick, and I'm just saying that loosely because I know how a lot of people hate him, but whatever. You have all this happen. You have a quarterback who comes to you that y'all overpaid, but you still pay him. So you saw the value and he's proven his value every time you give him an opportunity. And you still like you're stuck with him. It's almost like you realize if you just stick with him, like you actually might go places because every time I look at it now, I'm like, okay, if Jimmy G is hurt, the 49ers are fucked up. Jimmy, not, uh, Jimmy's on the field. They win. Isn't that what you want from a quarterback? Like, Brady been doing that shit for how many years? 20-something years? Right. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers did it for those years. Like, I would pretty much hedge my bets on Jimmy. I mean, he, he's not going to get seriously injured because he fucks porn stars. So he has strong muscles. So there's that. Then, <laughs> but then you got the fact no, that it's no, like, no. like Trayman, I think I'm really still, like, pissed off because just last week I was saying that Dallas should just go get Jimmy, throw the bag. Dallas looked like the losers in this one. Because, like, okay, like, now he's stuck there for another, you know, Jimmy's stuck there for another year on a team that's almost going to get it done. Dallas is a playoff contender, an actual playoff contender with Jimmy, and it's proven. Because he's winning with less than nothing. I don't even know if Kittle played this week. I don't even think he no, played the ball. 
No, he no, didn't. So he didn't play. Exactly. So you don't have Kittle. You got your number one overpaid wide receiver running, you know, trick plays and shit. You have Jeff Wilson, who was your, you know, I guess a start running back. He had one touchdown. I think he had like, what, 60 yards the entire game, if that. So you don't have the tight end. Your offensive line is garbage. And Jimmy still managed to win. Give him fucking CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalton Schultz. C- come on now. Now, I know people say the same thing about Dak. Like I said last week, Dak can't stay healthy. Make Dak earn that money. Yes, I get it. You paid him and stuff. But Jimmy be like, you know what? Yeah, go ahead. We're going to take Jimmy off of San Francisco's hands this year. And if Dallas gets to the playoffs and does whatever the fuck they're going to do, you're like, you know what, Jimmy? Guess what? Now we can trade you. We, you know, you got us where we are. We'll treat you like uh, the Eagles did. Uh, what's, what's dude's name who won them the Super Bowl, and then he hasn't done anything since. Carson um, Wentz. No, oh, Carson didn't even win them the Super Bowl. Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Yeah, Nick Foles. Treat him like fucking. Treat him like fucking Nick Foles. I, I just don't see why not. But you know what, San Francisco. What's going to happen is there's going to be a lot of games that they should have won that they can't win because San Francisco just. They don't want to win. They thought Trey Lance was going to be the second coming of Kyler Murray. And as the Arizona Cardinals fan, I can just let you know this. There's only one of Kyler Murray's. And they they come every like four or five years, maybe seven if you think about it. The last person that was like that before Kyler Murray was, guess what? Russell Wilson. Same division even, which is crazy. That division, the NFC West, Shanahan is like, you know what? I have to find me a quarterback that I can compete with to win this division. And he has to act and play like that person. Trey Lance is not going to be the same after these two. Was it the fibula? And it was, it was something else. No, he broke his ankle. I forgot. He broke his ankle. He broke his, no, but they said it was, two, it was two injuries now. <clears throat> so it was two when they did the um, x-ray. So he, it was the ankle. And I know it was the fibula. Like, if you could, like, find it, like, the actual tweet that they, I well, think, they like, had Adam like, I mean, they definitely had to, you know, they definitely, like, he was cornered off the field in an air cast. Mm-hmm. So it could be, it could be a tibia injury. Could be. It could very well be. A tibia, uh, it could I'm, be the I'm, same injury. It could be the same injury that Dak Prescott had two years ago. I'm, I'm going to look. I'm, I'm going to look. Um, posted his season-ending ankle surgery. Um, <clears throat> it, it was like breaking news, like about because he avoided compound fracture. Okay, yeah, I don't see anything, but I, I could have sworn I saw it come across the screen for this game that it was about the fibula. But either way, yeah, um, Jimmy, just please, just get them to nine games, get them in the wild card. That way you can end up losing to Green Bay because they need Aaron Rodgers to say that he can win a playoff game. Because, boy. And I say that as if, like, the Eagles don't look like playoff contenders right now, which is disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> All right. So, moving, moving right along. Moving right along. So yesterday, uh, the NFL had this version of, of the WWE in Tampa, in New Orleans. The New Orleans Saints went up against the Tampa Bay Brady Mears. Um, here's the RFP part. So, in the third, it was the third quarter, and New Orleans was up 3 nothing. Brady, at that point, had only completed, like, I think, eight or nine passes. 
Because he went 18 for 34. Uh, 196 yards one t- and one touchdown. And he was visibly, visibly, visibly upset. So he went to the sideline. He was yelling on the field. He went to the sideline. He, threw, he first threw his helmet and someone handed him his tablet and then he tossed the, the tablet like he did last year and when they played the Saints again. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have to ask this question because, he, because Brady has had two uh, not Brady-esque games to start the season. I think last, the, the game against the Cowboys, uh, he threw for like 178 yards. The, this game against the Saints, he threw for 195 yards. There's tension with him and, and Giselle. There were reports oh, saying boy. that they are living separately, that they're living, that they're, that they're living separately right now. Tom Brady should have stayed retired. Yes, he should have stayed retired. Should he stay retired? There's no way. What does he have to prove? Like, literally nothing. Like, absolutely Um, nothing to prove. He should have just stayed at home, worked on his marriage, uh, you know, been a father to his kids every day and everything, and then just, okay, you're you're, you're the greatest quarterback ever. Thanks for playing. Bye-bye. I'm just going to say I feel differently. That I'm, I'm going to stay there because what I'm going to say is going to be borderline disrespectful. And I, I just don't want to be that guy. Um, but I do firmly believe if the roles were reversed, she would absolutely model until she was 55 years old. I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'm trying to, like, process. I mean, I understand completely what you're saying. I'm trying to like process it like side by side and like if the roles were reversed, like I don't know. I I, I don't know. I just Okay. Well it's, let me, it's weird. Well, it's weird. Put it that I, way. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go down the rabbit hole just a little bit and just t- okay. tell me, you know, like interject whenever. Giselle, yes, she's taking care well, she's not even taking care of the kids. Like fucking Brady's contract is taking care of the fucking family. So well, we can just be on completely honest there. Right. So all the like, oh, she's just staying home with the kids being the house mom, like get the fuck real, right? So there's that. But <laughs> she's also a supermodel who's a little bit older and I'm I i do not want to do the looks thing where it's like, okay, her looks have changed. She still looks gorgeous. But she she's also 40, knows she's forty like, she's forty one. Yeah, but we also, I don't want to say they have a shelf life, but they have like uh, a life when it, even in the modeling industry. And she can still be getting a lot of work. She still gets a lot of work. She just, she's not going to be in, you know, the swimsuits of Sports Illustrated stuff like that anymore because she's a mom, right? Nothing about her looks has changed that drastically. Nothing about her body has changed that drastically. But we're not going to sit here and act like if somebody said, you know what, Giselle, we have, you know, want to reboot America's Next Top Model. Like, and we need you to do it for another five more years. She wouldn't go and do that because that's her passion, right? So all of a sudden, because, you know, Brady's following his passion. Because think about it. When he's done, he's done. And then you're going to be irritated with him. I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they usually say most divorces actually end because the husband is usually at home with nothing to fucking do. Have I told a lie yet? Nope. So you want Uh, Brady to... I just don't get it. Like, Brady's going to retire from football, and then he's still going to be doing Monday night football games. You really, 
Brady's going to be working until he's fucking 75. If Giselle is mad about that, guess what? She's going to be really mad when she realizes her kids are going to want to follow in daddy's footsteps. I don't know if they have a daughter or not, but I guarantee she's going to want a model to be like mommy. Actually, they do. Brady's... Hello? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> like I, 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 I fail to believe that Tom Brady, who literally has eight months off every year, the what the fucking four and a half and, months of the actual actually, and, go ahead and he had and for the rest of the season he has Wednesdays off he will not yes. practice he has Wednesdays off for the rest of the season he, when you win when you literally have a history of winning you don't have Alan Iverson told practice what practice, it's fucking Tom Brady so the fact yeah. that like they're saying they're living in separate houses, stuff like that. Like, honestly, like Brady probably doesn't give a fuck. At this point, I hate to be, again, the bearer of bad news. They've been married long enough. They can do whatever the fuck they want to do separately. I'm not saying he's out here doing his shit and she's not out here doing his shit, but they both gorgeous people. So I'm guaranteeing that, and I say that like in jest, right? So it's like, all right, cool. If Brady's doing whatever he's doing and Giselle's doing whatever they're doing, I'm pretty sure they were doing that for the last 20 fucking years. Nothing's really changed. But because all of a sudden she wants to settle down and have like the married life and she's been having the married life for 20 years, I guess, you know, she prefers not being in Tampa. She'd rather be in New England because last I checked, when they were in New England, she was at every fucking home game. So, yeah, I'm just I'm not a fan of the bullshit when it comes to that. So, if Brady following his passion is going to be a bad thing, you know what? Fuck it then. Fuck it then. He, I want him to play till he's fifty two. Okay, you remember like in uh, training camp when uh, Brady was off for like fourteen days or eleven days and. He was just mm-hmm. saying, like, well, what did he say? I'm 41. I have to do, you know, there's just a lot of, yeah, a lot of shit going on. Yeah. Or, yeah, okay, he said I'm 45 or I got a lot of shit going on. I'll mm-hmm. bet you that's that's when Giselle moved out or yeah, or whatever. So, you know, he's not going to come back and say that. But, but at some point, you just got to be like, I don't get – so what? Like – the thing is, I'm guaranteeing they love each other. I, I like. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to speak because you know sometimes the tabloids will be like, "Oh, they're living in separate houses," meaning like she's still living in like Boston and he's living in Tampa. Like he's living there because he plays there. She's living there because their fucking kids go to school in Boston. Like it could literally just be that, and they're just making like uh you know a mountain out of an anthill. And it happened so much. They said the same thing about Savannah and LeBron. Like, oh, they're not getting along because she decided to stay in Cleveland the first year that he moved to L.A. It's like, but you, you realize why she did that, though, right? Then when she finally moved to L.A., it's like, oh, they're working out. No, y'all are in their fucking business. It's also Tom Brady. We just have to start just, like, acknowledging what things are and just call a thing a thing. So with the Brady and Giselle thing, if she's really upset that he's following his passions, She's been following that. She's probably about five years too late. Because everybody said Brady was done five years ago, and this motherfucker's still doing it. So That's true. That, uh, that's, um, that's a very good point. Cause, well, how long has he been point. in like Tampa? He's been in Tampa for, what, three years? It's his third season. 
Yep. Okay, so if, if he's been in Tampa for, and he, this is what year twenty of his actual like career, career, right? Year twenty. So trying to tell me you twenty. So he's in fucking year twenty two. His how old is the oldest kid? I I, I don't know the oldest kids like. Let's see, uh, Tom and Tom and Brady and uh, excuse me, Tom and Giselle got married in two thousand eight. Those kids are either in high school or borderline about to go to fucking college. Wait, isn't one of them like a ball boy for the Buccaneers? Something yeah, like that? Come on! Like, all, <laughs> like I, I just don't understand. Like, you have a husband who doesn't even fucking work 40 hours a week. He literally goes to work for four hours on a sunday sometimes on a monday sometimes on a thursday but you know what after that he goes to practice for he doesn't even fucking practice anymore so he always has time for you they're even accommodating you because they're like you know what year 22 we don't even want to risk it you know what brady go spend time with your family and stuff like that that's why i can't believe those tabloids i, I really can't something about it just doesn't sit right in my heart to be like Yo, like year 22 all of a sudden now giselle has a problem she didn't have a fucking problem in boston can you imagine, like, I would be pissed if I had to sit at fucking Gillette Stadium when it's fucking 18 inches of snow outside. Why the fuck would I want to do that? <laughs> but she's she's mad because he's playing in Tampa where every day the average temperature is fucking 74 degrees. Nice and cool, nice and breezy every day. Nah, fuck mm -hmm. that. So, yeah, Tom Brady, please, play until you're 52. J just to spite people, because LeBron's going to do it. So why not? All right. Um, let me just give you all a quick update on the football games right now. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. So Philadelphia is winning 21-7, and there's 20 seconds left till halftime. And in the third quarter with three minutes and 45 seconds left, Buffalo is winning 41-7. to God damn. Did they put the bench yeah. in for uh, – no, so they literally, they they just picked off Tannehill and ran it in for a touchdown. So, um, yeah, Buffalo looks they look they look unstoppable right now. Defense, offense, like, everything. Well, you, you know who looks stoppable? Derek fucking Henry. We we you, Lou, you were right. You were right. Uh, uh, about you said this. You got to remind me. You, you said <laughs> you you said when we made our picks when we were talking about Tennessee, and I kept saying Tennessee's going to win eleven games. Clearly, this is not going to be the case this year. Um, mm -hmm. You said that Tennessee was going. You know, Tennessee winning any games is going to be on the back of Derrick Henry. Unfortunately, you and Q both said I think the NFL figured Derrick Henry out. Looks like it. Yeah. So well, the and, injury and the injury bus well, injury. Yep. They that was a stupid when they traded AJ Brown. The stupid because they don't. I mean, their new number one receiver is Robert Woods. I mean, come on. <laughs> I Robert, mean, the same yeah. Robert Woods, the same Robert Woods that is coming off the ACL ACL tear. Basically, yeah. So yeah, they they have. Uh, I mean, they're they're on their way to losing this game. They're going to be zero two, and you know, defenses have figured them out. You just 
you put eight men in a box and you stop Derrick Henry and let Tannehill try to beat you. That's it. Yeah, the only saving grace that the Tennessee Titans has right now is that the Indian is that the AFC South sucks. The only that is true. Grace. The only saving grace because you have Houston O one and one, you have the Colts O one and one, you have the Jaguars who are one and one. <laughs> Jacksonville could win that division. They literally could, could win that Very division. Well. Yeah, I, the AFC South. I told you. Told you, my God! Wow, Jacksonville can very well win the AFC South. I mean, it is a terrible, it is, it is a terrible division this year. You can't even like they have taken like the AFC South oh has been taken over from the NFC East as the worst division of as the worst division of football. I mean, look, everyone in the everyone in the NFC East at five hundred or above. The Eagles are going to be two and zero. The fucking Giants are 2-0. Yeah. How the, the fucking Giants. You have the Commanders and the Cowboys at 1-1. One and, one. and really, the Cowboys should be 0-2. But that's another day and another story for another day. But the AFC South, terrible. It's, it's the worst division in football. And, I don't know. AFC right, North is see, giving it a run for his money. I can see. I can honestly see the Jacksonville Jaguars winning seven games, just like the Washington Commanders did two years ago, winning seven games and and winning that division with air quotes. And I'm making air quotes. I need somebody to clip that because that means that Q is going to lose that bet. He's already like halfway there. (laughs) He's already halfway to losing that Mm. bet. He, he's losing. Actually, no. Right now, he's good with Washington, but right now, with the Jets and the Lions and Jacksonville, Q. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> oh, oh, um, if, in case, like, in case you forgot the bet, I'll go find the notes. I'll be back. Okay. Anyway, I'm finding the notes. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, when it comes to Jacksonville, like, um, yesterday on FanDuel, when I was putting lineups in and everything like that, I had Jacksonville. They were the cheapest defense. They were $3,000. They were the cheapest defense on FanDuel. I had them in almost every single lineup with the exception of, like, maybe three or four. Because, for some reason, and I have no idea what it is. But when the Colts play Jacksonville in Jacksonville, Jacksonville has their number. Jacksonville has beaten them eight times in a row in Jacksonville. Wow. So, yeah. So, I don't know what it is. I was like, well, I'm just going to go with it then and just see what happens. And they shut them out. Sure I couldn't did. believe it. They sure did. Matt Ryan played like he was 50. Mm-hmm. All right, moving right along, we're going to stay on the Tampa. We're going to stay, we're going to stay in Tampa Bay. Um, Mike Evans, you are the Bama of the week. Now, Lou, I know you don't understand this. This, this, this thing. So here in DC, there was a, a radio. There was a radio personality. His name was Huggy Lowdown. 
he, he still is on radio. He still is on the radio. But he had this segment um, where people, like, he nominates, like, idiots or someone who does something stupid. And whoever wins is, is, is named the Bama of the Week. He does it on Fridays. He usually does it on Fridays. No, not usually. He does it on Fridays. I remember him. Yes. <laughs> used to be on uh, with Russ Carr. And it was, it used to be with Russ Carr on um, on 93.9. Now that Russ Carr is on Magic 102.3, 95.7, whatever the fuck it's called, 2.7, he moved with him. And now, nope, I take that back. He was with Donnie Simpson on 95.5. And now that Donnie Simpson is on 102.3, he moved with Donnie over to Magic 102.3. Because now Donnie's the afternoon show, the the drive the, the afternoon drive home show. So, Mike Evans, you are the Bama of the week. There is there 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 could be other nominations for Bama of the week, but Mike Evans take it hands down. And this is why. Add another chapter to the story of the personal rivalry between Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Mike Evans and New York Saints cornerback Marshawn Lattimore. The two were featured players in a brawl between the two teams during Tampa's 20-10 victory over the Saints on Sunday. They each were ejected, but the punishments didn't stop there. Evans was suspended one game by the NFL for his action Sunday, according to JenelanaESPN.com. In Rappaport was the first to report the suspension. Tom Palacero of NFL Network noted there were no other punishments for Lattimore or anyone else involved in the incident. Evans will miss week three's matchup with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> that should be fun. The incident started after Tom Brady's pass to Scotty Miller so incomplete in the fourth quarter. And goddamn it, as I'm playing this, I fucking helicopter with him now. As Catherine Terrell and Jenna Lena ESPN noted, Lattimore, quote, appeared to wave his arm at Brady in a dismissive manner. Leonard Fournette responded by shoving Lattimore who then shoved the Buccaneers running back before Evans came running onto the field to shove the New Orleans cornerback to the ground. Lattimore and Evans were each ejected. Mike Evans said this, quote, all I see was we, all I seen was we were trying to get a flag call or whatever, and it wasn't called. And all I see is Lattimore, he like punched Lenny in the face or something like that. And like push Tom. That's all I saw. I just pushed him, Evan said. St. Head's coach Dennis Allen pointed out that Lattimore was not the instigator but still retaliated. Quote, you see these things happen all the time. What I'd like to see is Marshawn not retaliate. I believe it was Leonard Fournette, not 100 percent positive. I believe it was he was the first one to kind of push and shove Lattimore. Usually they don't get the instigator, they get the responder. I think that's what happened after, I think what happened after that was a little bit excessive. Oh my goodness. Um, Terrell and Lane pointed out that there is a quote, long running feud, unquote, that has often turned physical between Evans and Lattimore. Evans ran onto the field and shoved his counterpart in 2017 and was suspended for one game as a result. Lattimore did the initial shoving in the 2020 game and Evans shoved him back. The cornerback was fined $10,500 as punishment for that incident. The latest skirmish happened in a contest that was tighter than the final score indicated. 
It was tied at three heading into the fourth quarter, although Tampa Bay scored 17 straight points with a Brady touchdown pass to Rashard Perriman, a Ryan Suckup field goal, and a pick six for Mike Edwards. By the time Michael Thomas scored a late touchdown for New Orleans, the game was well in hand. Tampa Bay broke a seven-game regular season losing streak to the Saints with the win. Mike Evans, you are the Bama of the week. 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 Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I have nothing. I just always have one question, though. What's the significance of punching someone who's wearing a helmet? I, I've, and it's only Mike Evans who does this shit. Like, I'm sure the other players, but it's always him. It's always been him. I just need to know why he does the shit. Like, didn't he almost like break his hand one year because he wanted to punch uh, Lattimore like in the head while he had the helmet on? And it's like, I just, the one game suspension isn't enough, but I understand it's Tampa Bay. So, you know, Brady has to have his number one receiver because Chris Godwin's out and everything. But if Chris Godwin's playing this week, Start his ass. DFS, start his ass. That's three touchdowns, just guaranteed. Brady's going to be pissed and airing that shit out. you telling me he's losing his number one receiver possibly on the last year that he would ever have to play Aaron Rodgers? Boy, that man, that game right there, 41-27. 41-27, I'm telling you that now early. It can go either way. That being said, Mike Evans. Yeah, you're definitely the Bama of the week. You are getting the Adam Gates Why Are You Still Here award. You are getting the Bruce Banner Incredible She-Hulk award. That is not even an award, but we're making one for you tonight. You are definitely getting the, the She-Hulk award because, wow, um, that was garbage. Then, finally, um, outside of Kyrie Irving, you might be one of the most passive-aggressive idiots in sports. Because... I don't know if Q actually saw the YouTube uh, like clip or the Twitter clip where he said, it's Tom Brady. What do you expect me to do? Yeah, Possibly being suspended because you wanted to fight and say, well, it's because it's Tom Brady. Mm-mm. That That's not good enough. Not for me. Not for me at all. So, yeah, um, Bam of the Week, I agree, Q. All right, so um, cutting our NFL talk made it short. Our last story of the day is when you pay a quarterback $230, and even $250 million, when the game is on the line, you give that goddamn quarterback the ball. One team did not do that last week. One team did that. This week, we know which team didn't do it. So, the thing, so my, my first award of the night, actually the second, <coughs> goes to Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach of the Denver Broncos, by not letting Russ cook. Here's the scenario. It's fourth and five. You have one minute remaining on the clock. All three timeouts. You know what Nathaniel Idiot Hackett did? He let the clock run down to 20 seconds and then called a timeout. 
Not only did he call a timeout with 20 seconds left, he opted to try, he opted to send out his kicker, Brandon McManus, to try a 64-yard field goal that wouldn't have won the game, it would have tied the game. Instead of your $245 million quarterback that you just gave an extension to less than two weeks ago. And you don't, and mind you, your franchise quarterback that A, you traded two first round picks for, you traded the top tight end on your team, no offense, you trade a serviceable, serviceable defender in Shelby Harris, and we're just going to throw in uh, uh, Drew Locke. And then you just gave him $245 million in his mm. former stadium that he knows like the back of his hand. Mm-hmm. And you don't, and you, and you, you take the ball out of his hand. That's your franchise quarterback. Wake it up, Q. Now, on the flip side, you had a team in the Arizona Cardinals. That also gave their franchise quarterback, whether he truly deserves it or not, Kyler Murray, $235 mm-hmm. million. You're down by eight points. Down by eight. Now about eight. You've already, and it's fifteen seconds left in the game. Fifteen seconds with no timeouts. You know what Arizona did? Go win us the game, young man. What did Kyler Murray did? He rushed in after beating like avoiding like eight defenders. Mm-hmm. He scores the touchdown to get them within two. Two points of conversion. He throws an sh- absolute strike to AJ Green, the back of the end zone. Tie the game. In yeah. overtime, in overtime, and I'm sorry, Raiders fans, but uh, Derek Carr throws a pass to Hunter Renfro. He fumbles. Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, the cornerback for Arizona, scoops it up, throws 70 yards. Or sixty, whatever, whatever the yardage was, and win the game. Mm-hmm. Need mm-hmm. I say more? When you pay a quarter, when you paid your quarterback, Denver. Now I'm going back to Denver. Two hundred and forty-five, or whatever how much it was, over two hundred and thirty million dollars, and you take the ball out of his hand. You had a minute left. You know it's bad when the fucking like said, on the flip, entire on the stadium. Flip, yeah. The like, entire like, stadium is booing. Russ is at home. Uh, well, it's not his home it's not his home stadium anymore, but you come on, he spent the first what 10, 11 years of his career in Seattle. Mm-hmm. So you know this was an emotional game for him. You know that he would have did everything in his power to win that game. Just to mm-hmm. shove it. Just to shove it as he carol. Yep. And and don't you think Russell Wilson has been in the league long enough to where you got a rookie head coach that 
could just wave him off and make the call himself. Exactly. I was like, no, nah, I'm I'm good here. Like they pay me more than you, so you go sit over there. Let me figure you it go out. Go sit your ass down like, and just watch. Watch me work. I'll ju- I'll never understand it. That uh, let let me just read this really quick because th- this actually matters to me. Um, the Chiefs, Chargers, Broncos, Raiders, AFC West. Right, you got that. Then you have. Russ, you know, being one and one, they are almost as bad as the Raiders. He actually left a division he could have potentially won in for a division that outside the Raiders won't get him into the playoffs. Right now, it looks like the playoffs, if it started today, the Dolphins would literally have home field advantage. Then you have, well, actually, no, it would be between them and Buffalo, but I don't think they, since they haven't played yet, it would come down to that. Um, so that's but next, today, next week, that's next Buffalo, week, Miami. Yep. So whoever wins that game, pretty much like they're going to end up running away with home field advantage. We can just be completely honest with that. The Jets, I feel like will end up becoming third place. And then we have the Patriots. The Jaguars are going to be the only mm-hmm. team that comes out of the AFC South. The Texans, the Colts and the Titans will both be, they will all three be in the top five, four picks next draft season. Cause they're that fucking bad. Uh, didn't see this until now. The fucking Bengals are zero and two, so that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, but as I predicted, and I am right on this because I marked off all the games that Lou and I and the Steelers are going to win. And Lou, we on par right now. I said we were going to mm-hmm. win one, lose one. We're on par. Right. But you know what? Still leading the division over who? Baltimore and the Browns. So fuck them very much. So you got that. Um, when it looks like the NFC, you have Giants, Eagles, Commanders, Cowboys in that order. Uh, I don't know how the 49ers are leading the NFC West, whatever. Uh, the Vikings are also leading the NFC North. How, when, I mean, I guess, you know, they're actually, you know, they'll be one and one. I can tell you why the 49ers are leading oh, yeah, go the, for the it. NFC go for West. Because, because LA put the, the Los Angeles Rams put up an absolute clunker in week one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The Lions, since the Vikings and they nearly, today, And they nearly lost yesterday. They, they, mm-hmm. they allowed the Falcons to come back. And the Falcons yeah, look down 30, I mean, 28, to, 28 to 7. But, Q, you, you, you are not being a believer, and I need you to be a believer. The fucking Lions are going to win the NFC North this year. Just, I'm speaking it into existence, Q, because it's going to happen. And when it happens, I want everybody to honestly just cash out me twenty bucks because I'm going to be <laughs> fucking right about this. I'm, no, I'm I'm dead serious. Like the more the more I see the Lions, I said this shit last week. I was like, yo, the more I see them, the more I'm impressed with them. Their fucking coach looks like he could literally throw on a jersey and play today if he wanted to. I don't know if you guys watch Hard Knocks. That motherfucker was literally doing drills with them. He's not playing this year. He's literally not playing with the Lions, and the Lions believe in him. He got Jamal Williams actually running the fucking football. And I'm like, yo, like, I don't believe in Green Bay. Chicago already know they're garbage. But, you know, again, I was wrong with that. I said they were going to win six games. I doubt it. Um, Minnesota has proven everything that Q has said about Kirk Cousins 
it is just not there. Unless he does something miraculous and throws three touchdowns in the next 17 minutes to have them beat Philadelphia, which is, uh, again, it's more than possible because, again, this is Philly, but whatever. Um, and nobody looks at the NFC South because we already know that Brady's coming out of that one. So we don't even have to talk about them. But before I shut up, I want to touch on this because we didn't touch on it last week. So here we go. Um, as you guys know, we do have our fantasy football pickup, right? Um, shit's looking real ugly. Um, the first two weeks of football have been absolute garbage for us to pick. I'm in first place with 16 wins, 13 losses with a 55% accuracy. That's terrible. Um, Lou is in second place, 15 and uh, 15 wins, 14 losses. And Q is in third place, 14 wins, 15 losses. I have to say these because why not? Um, Cashley, unfortunately, is 0-29 and because she has not made her picks for two straight weeks. But we'll give her a consolation prize in having to wear, like, you know, actually, we have to get, <laughs> we'll make her, we'll make her, like, wear uh, a WWE shirt from, like, one of the worst wrestlers. Like, we'll order her one and she has oh, to oh wear my it for, like, a week. So oh we'll, we'll do that. Okay. Um, and I don't know who round two is, but they are also 0-29. I do have to speak on this, and then I'll shut up officially. Um, two people who play fantasy football, I think the collective on this show will just let you know, like, we are not fans of collusion or people who decide to cheat. Uh, we have a cheat in our league. We invited listeners to join the league, and we had a listener lie and pick two teams from two different emails that almost were similar. So there's that. This dickhead decided that he was going to go and try to trade for the most important people on a team. So basically, I'll give you the trade. So we all vetoed the South Florida Riders. They wanted to trade Mike Williams and Stefan Diggs for George Kittle, Jerry Judy, and Derrick Henry. I think we actually saved that man's team this year. Because according to him, I'm still going to beat you guys' ass no matter what, even though you guys vetoed my trade. Last I checked, Stefan Diggs, the guy that he wanted to trade, has three touchdowns now and is sitting on the bench. And I think Mike Williams had two touchdowns. Am I lying? I hope I'm not. No, Mike Williams, one, Mike Williams had one touchdown. But he yeah, had one touchdown. But he, had only, 100, he, had, he had 140 yards receiving. Uh, 11 catches exactly, 140 he, yards. So, Q, he wanted to trade those two people to get George Kittle, Jerry Judy, who didn't play, Derrick Henry. Who's injured. Who's having a shitty game. Play. And, exactly. So, we just saved him. So, I'm going to shut up and just I, so I can I talk had, shit to this guy in the chat. Ma- and I, had his, I, I was his matchup this week. Can we do a score check? I, so yeah, I told him yesterday, I was like, won't you look at that? If you would have started the players you wanted to trade, you would have won this week. So wait, don't tell me he didn't even start the fucking – yeah, I'm, I'm going to shut up. Go ahead. And, <laughs> and now, you know, Blue, you was right. I shouldn't have counted my chickens um, yesterday. I told you. Because now – I told you. He is projected I told you, was it? to beat me 150 to 139. 
It's I told you, Jalen Hurts is having a great game, and who else did he have? Diggs. Diggs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Diggs and twelve touches, one hundred and fifty yards, three touchdowns. So, um, yeah, that's just I never I never count my chickens before they hatch. Yep. I'm I'm going to text him. Well, in our group, you're welcome for us vetoing your trade. Don't let it happen again. <laughs> uh, MFR. I have to do that too. All right. Now, that being said, wow. what, what else you got? Wow. <laughs> he did All right. too. So we, <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, so I, I love it. We have one more NFL story. We have one more NFL story. And it's a game. I know, you, I know y'all like my games. Oh. We're going to buy or sell the NFL's early breakout players. This should be fun. <sighs> People tend to gravitate towards the newest and shiniest toys, and that is same, and the same is true in the NFL with breakout stars. In some ways, the NFL operates under a constant state of Jordan fatigue. Greatness can become boring. Aaron Donald won three Defensive Player of the Year awards, uh, Defensive Player of the Year awards, and could have more. Tom Brady has as many detractors as he does fans. Many enjoy seeing Joe Burrow galvanize a losing franchise and lead to the Super Bowl. T.J. Watt's ascension as the game's premier sack artist while possibly eclipsing his older brother was awesome to watch. Jonathan Taylor leading the league in rushing after two-time rushing leader Derrick Henry went down with an injury, served as the proverbial changing of the guard. Who's next? Do Two weeks of play, a few names work their way into the conversation. Will they stay there? Here we go. The first player up, Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins. Maybe Tyree Kill was onto something when he compared Tua Tagovailoa to his old signal, call, signal caller, Patrick Mahomes. To be clear, Mahomes is the best of the best, while Tagovailoa is simply striving to be counted among the NFL's better options. Through two weeks, the Miami Dolphins quarterback looked well on his way to doing so. With Sunday's 469-yard, six-touchdown performance in a miraculous comeback against the Baltimore Ravens, Tagovailoa's name now resides directly next to Mahomes in the record book. The Dolphins' starter is now the second youngest quarterback since 1950 to throw for at least 450 yards and six touchdowns, according to ESPN Stats and Info. Only Mahomes did so at a younger age. The performance served, <clears throat> the performance served as Tagovailoa's coming out party as the Dolphins roared back from a 21-point deficit at the start of the fourth quarter. Tagovailoa did Four touchdowns in the final frame, including 48 and 60-yard strikes to Hill. Overall, the effort builds upon positive signs that started in Week 1. Against the New England Patriots, the 2020 fifth overall pick completed 69.7% of his passes with 270 yards and a touchdown in the 20-7 victory. After two seasons of up-and-down play, Tagovailoa is finally in the right situation. He's playing for offensive minded head coach Mike McDaniel in a proven system. And Hill and Jalen Waddle, Tagovailoa has gifted receiving options. Tight end Mike Kosicki is a massive target, 6'6, over the middle and into the end zone. The offensive line is playing much better. And the combination of Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert 
averaged 5.2 yards per carry against the Ravens. He is limited in some areas. He doesn't have the, the, the size at 6'1", the arm strength or movement skills of Josh Allen or Justin Herbert, but the right situation would go a long way toward his, towards him being successful. The Dolphins are set up to win, and so, hard, so far they have. Tagovailoa is more than good enough to lead the team to a winning record, regular season record, and into a playoff berth. Biosell Tua Tagovailoa. I mean, I guess I, you know, it's close, but I think I got to buy. He's, uh, he's proven the doubters wrong so far. And I am one of those doubters. I didn't think that just because you got Tyreek Hill and, you know, stuff like that, that, that he was going to be this much better. But, you know, I'll, I'll give it to him. I mean, he's impressed me. That was right. Again, I ain't going to say nothing else. Told y'all about Miami. Told you. Fucking you told you. You did. You did. You did. All right, next up. Running back DeAndre Swift of the Detroit Lions. DeAndre Swift has been a solid all-around back since being drafted 35th overall in 2020. And now he appears to have reached loss levels in his third season. A total of 1,947 combined yards from scrimmage through his first two campaigns should be overlooked alongside his ability to create sharp plays. In the season opener against the Philadelphia Eagles, Swift posted 175 yards from scrimmage, including a whopping 144 rushing yards. Despite a bulky ankle throughout the week and some uncertainty about whether he would play against the Washington Commanders, Swift still gained 87 yards per finish and now he's averaging an unreal 10 and 10 and a half yards per touch he's already posted two runs of 50 or more yards and a reception of 25 yards the adjustments were made sunday when he fell to the ground on a misplaced check down play only to get up and race 22 yards untouched into the end zone may have been the play of the weekend he is maximizing his touches and serving as a vital component to an emerging lions offense the only potential holdup is his injury history. He missed seven games over the last two seasons, and he's currently dealing with the aforementioned ankle. A healthy Swift playing behind one of the league's best offensive lines. A healthy Swift plays behind one of the league's best offensive lines. The Lions' passing attack is taken off thanks to Amon Ross St. Brown's ascension and improved weapons elsewhere as wide receiver. Detroit's future back has the potential to be in the same conversation as Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, and Nick Chubb by the end of the season. Bio cell, bio cell, DeAndre Swift. I'll let you go first, Greg. Like I said, it's Detroit. I'm not going against Detroit this year. I'm going to leave it there. I, I think he's down. Damn it. <laughs> um, Yeah, uh, again, very, very close, but uh, I, uh, I got a buy. I, I got a buy. I got him. He's another one I thought that wasn't going to do much, and again, he's proven me wrong. Okay, <clears throat> I'm leaning towards buy, but right now with that injury history, 
I'm a, I, I, I gotta say sell for right now, but it's a, it's leaning towards buy. All right, next player. Wide receiver Rashad Bateman of the Baltimore Ravens. <coughs> the Baltimore Ravens believed in their scouting department and traded Marquise Brown to the Arizona Cardinals. And the team did, then didn't select a single wide receiver among this year's draft class. Brown's replacement was already on the roster. The Ravens chose Rashad Bateman with last year's 27th overall pick. He missed five games due to a groin injury, but finished with 46 catches for 515 yards. Baltimore expected more this year, and he's delivered. Baltimore's offensive scheme is built around quarterback Lamar Jackson, I'm sorry, RB1 Lamar Jackson, and his unique skill set. Wide receivers won't get as many opportunities as they would elsewhere, but in Bateman's case, he's already maximizing his touches and torching defenses. Six catches through two games isn't exciting on the surface, but those minimal touches led to 167 receiving yards, including a touchdown reception of 50 or more yards in both contests. His 75-yard scamper on a simple slant route against the Miami Dolphins showed his full potential. Bateman easily beat the Dolphins' Xavier Howard off the line of scrimmage with a silky smooth release and then outraced the cover corner all the way to the end zone. The only reason that this um, is selling is that Bateman won't be featured as the offensive top target. That designation belongs to tight end Mark Andrews. When Jackson is looking for someone to make a play, Andrew is his, Andrews is his guy. The tight end position in general is. The wide receiver isn't always going to provide a big play on his limited touches either. However, the Ravens can't be disappointed in what Bateman has achieved taking over for Brown. The organization made the right choice. Not only did he have those long touchdown uh, catches, he took the opening kickoff yesterday, 103 yards to the house. So, mm. bio-sell Rashard Bateman. I'm going with DuVernay. The reason why, that's the receiver that Lamar needs. I, I mean this shit, and I'm only going to say it once because I don't ever want to have to repeat myself on this one. DuVernay is everything that Hollywood Brown wanted to be if he had the hype. DuVernay, when we look at it at the end of the day, he's going to end up passing Torrey's, uh, Torrey Smith as the third best receiver that Baltimore Ravens have ever had. I stand on that shit. Like, there's something about that guy. I don't know what it is. Like, Rashad Bateman? Yeah, cool. But we all know, just like with Washington, everybody was like, Curtis Samuel and this, and it ends up being fucking uh, the the wide receiver three who's the best fucking receiver on the team because they want it more. DuVernay is good on special teams, and he's good on regular offense. The last time I've seen that was actually the dude from Washington. Who was the... uh? The kick returner from Washington who ended up in, like, the Hall of Fame. I forgot what his name was. Um, oh, damn. God. Um, from Washington? No, no. There, was, there was a receiver. No, there was no. He was, like, a punt returner. And he was, like, oh, always Brian returning. Mitchell. No, Brian it wasn't. Mitchell. It wasn't Brian. No, it wasn't Brian. It was a receiver. He was, like, small. He was, like, 5'9". Now, I might have the team wrong, but I swear it was Washington. Or he at least played at Washington. There was a punt returner 
that recently in the last like five or six years went to the Hall of Fame and he was always getting like 98, 99 yard like kick returns and shit like that. Duvernay is going to be the same type of player. I'm going to look this up. So my like Are you wait, talking, no, it, pick, it's Chicago. You, you talking yeah, that's Chicago. what I was just thinking. Is it the Bears? Devin Hester. About? Fucking Devin, Devin Hester. Hester. Yeah, that's the, he was the Bears. I could have sworn, I could have sworn he, he played for Washington though. No, he didn't. He played he uh, New Orleans in, late in his career. He, he started his career in, in Chicago. Hold on, then he, it has to be another Washington Redskins punt returner. I have to look this up. It wasn't Brian Mitchell? My man. No. Okay, my it might just be Devin Hester, but either way. But Brian Mitchell did make the Hall of Fame as a punt returner, as a punt kicker. He did. But I just, in my personal opinion, I feel as though, like, DuVernay is everything that Lamar Jackson needs. Honestly, like, the the Ravens needed him. Imagine if they would have kept Hollywood Brown. Like, I wouldn't have gotten Rashad Bateman. I I see, like, Rashad Bateman is kind of like Sammy Watkins 2.0, like, like when he's good, he's good. But if he tweaks something, it's like, well, damn, we just spent all that money, and you know he's not going to do much. Like I would have gone for like I want to say like Robbie Anderson. Isn't he like a free agent? Like go fucking get him. No, he's in Carolina. Go, either way, go With fucking quarterback get him. He doesn't like. It, it, this is Bateman's like second year. Like. Is this Bateman's second year? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it's I, third I, I mean, year. I'm telling. Rashad Bateman is third. He was drafted in 2020. I'll just leave that there. I'm I'm a really huge. Respectfully disagree with you on this one. That's oh, that's Um, fine. Yeah, I I think Bateman is is the real deal. Like he's been injured, like you said, he's been injured the past couple years. Oh, I think he missed one whole season. Was that last season that he missed? No, he didn't. He's missed seven games over his first two. Two seasons. He missed five games his rookie year. He missed five games his rookie year because of a groin injury. And he missed well, two he, games last season. All right. Well, he just wasn't targeted because of RB1. But RB1's trying to get that bag. Is he's actually showing that, hey, I can throw the ball and run the ball. So, you know, he needs that receiver. And, 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 I, think, and I think Bateman is that guy. Okay, so we, we, need to, yeah. we need to put this in a note. We need to put this in a note. I'm saying Duvernay, you're saying Bateman. Yes. We, we need to – I need to see this in six weeks. I'll, I'll give it six weeks. Duvernay is going to develop himself into being not only the second favorite target to Lamar Jackson, but he's a dual threat, like literally a dual threat. Bateman's going to be like – Having AJ Green on your team when you have like T Higgins and shit, like talking about like when he was with um, Cincinnati, it's like, yeah, like yeah, he's supposed to be the star, but it's like, but the other guys like outproducing him. It's gonna be like fucking Pittsburgh. Everybody's like, oh, it's supposed to be Juju, and it ended up being fucking Chase Claypool. Like even this year, it's like, oh, it's supposed to be uh, who's the number one receiver? Uh, Deontay Johnson. It's Deontay. Like, yeah, say, did, did did that pan out? So. It don't matter right now. We'll get into that in a minute, but go ahead. You, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But my my final just, landing point is DuVernay, through two weeks, barred, you know, barring any injury, 
he's proven to me that he wants it just a little bit more than Rashad Bateman. So I'll stay there. And there was eight players on this list. We're just going to do one more. We'll do one more. Uh, Oh, before you do that, one more. Lou has to give us our weekly update on Pittsburgh. I'm not going to let him slide on this because we have to. I wasn't going to slide. I couldn't. I, I, I couldn't wait to talk about it for like, like a minute. Just give me a minute. Um, Okay, so Pittsburgh lost lost to New England 17-14 yesterday, okay? Um, Yes, T.J. Watt is injured. He's gone for at least four weeks. He does not have to have surgery on his pack. But here's the thing. We went out, we signed Mitch Trubisky. Tomlin is on record as saying he is not starting Kevin Pickett, or Kenny Pickett, I'm sorry. Mitch Trubisky is our guy. Mitch Trubisky is our guy. Okay. New England, very, very bad offense. All right. And they're they're probably middle of the pack defense. Mitch Trubisky not quarterback we need right now if we want to win. They need to start Kenny Pickett. They need to start them, see what they got. They see it a little bit in preseason, but that's preseason. All right? I think Pickett can run this offense offense a hell of a lot better than Mitch Trubisky can. And I'm just going to go out on a record. I'm going to say this is one of my hot takes. The Steelers play Thursday night against Cleveland in Cleveland. All right? It's a rivalry. It should be, you know, it should be a bloodbath. Trubisky, at halftime, the Steelers are going to be down 17-0. Mike Tomlin will start Kenny Pickett starting that second half. He needs to. If they want any chance of sniffing playoffs, division, anything, that's what they got to do. Rant over. (laughs) I agree. I agree. Just, just straight garbage. New England is a horrible team, dude. They're not that good. Yeah. They're really not that good. And we could do nothing against them. They're essentially the fucking Chargers. Like, everybody wants them to be that team, and they're just not that team. Not with Mitch Trubisky, they aren't. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm standing on Pittsburgh. I just... There's something about Pittsburgh that it just impressed me. Like, all offseason, there wasn't a lot of talk out of that camp. It was just like, yo, no, they're just fucking getting it done. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's go with it. But they're just like, no, like, you got to have Cincinnati. Clearly, they've proven that, like, no. That was, uh, like, they're having the Atlanta Falcons season after they made the Super Bowl. They exactly. literally are. the. So it's was like, no, like, <laughs> they're not having – the Cinderella story happened again. Like, no, that's it. Joe, that, that is Joe it. They've Burrow. Proven. I'm sorry. Joe Burrow. Burrow has been sacked 13 times in the first two games. Yep. Like, yeah, they got a Super Bowl hangover. And it looks like the Rams yeah. do, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I just, I would really hope that Pittsburgh, like, proves me right because I have such high hopes for them. I think this, like, the sky's the limit. And like you said, if Pickens comes in, like, oh, my God, can't wait. I, I cannot wait. It's going to be 
just a smile on my face for the rest of the season. Me just too. to see that I don't have to hear about how Cincinnati went from 0-2 to winning like eight straight games. And like, I, I don't want to hear none of that shit. Agreed. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. We, I, we were sorry to cut you off, Q, about that. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Um, our last bio-cell candidate is O.J. Howard of the Houston Texans. Since being drafted 19th overall, 19th overall in 2017, O.J. Howard has been, has been an enigma. He's now with his third team in the last eight months. The Buccaneers chose not to re-sign Howard despite Rob Gronkowski teetering on the edge of retirement. Instead, the 27-year-old inked a free agent deal with the Buffalo Bills, who cut him before he, even, before he ever played an official down. The Houston Texans signed him shortly thereafter. <clears throat> Surprisingly, the tight end caught a pair of touchdown passes against the Indianapolis Colts in the season opener. Houston, Houston could finally be the place where the offense featured Howard and he could turn into a legitimate option. It's easy to get excited and expect big things. The 6'6", 251-pound tight end always had the physical tools to excel. He's big, strong, and athletic. He can play inline or detach as a receiver in certain formations. Yet his skill set has never fully translated, which is why this season's initial performance surprised many. Quote, we were excited to see OJ go out and make some plays for us, some big plays, catch two touchdowns, and we feel good about the overall depth and talent that we have in our tight end group. Offensive coordinator Pep Hamilton told reporters on Friday. Consistency has never been a part of Howard's brand, though. Case in point, he caught one pass with seven yards Sunday against the Denver Broncos. The Texans aren't exactly an offensive juggernaut either. Houston will struggle to generate consistent offensive movement with a lack of weapons in Davis Mills behind center. Plus, Farrell Brown will receive his fair share of targets as a tight end, as the Texans' other tight end. Howard's potential remains tantalizing, and Houston might be the best place to finally see some real see some realized because the team lacks talent. But his previous history and recent usage suggests that's not likely. So, buy or sell OJ Howard. Sell. They didn't. They didn't go into detail what they said about his two touchdown catches in the first game. He only had two targets. He only caught two balls. They were both for touchdowns. So he has three catches in two games. Sell. Okay. Great. I'm just in agreement. I'm I'm going to agree because I've been contrarian tonight. I'm just going to agree. <laughs> All right. All right. So that is our recap of week two of the NFL season. We'll do like we did last week. We'll do four. We'll do four. Uh, we chose what, three or four games for this week, last week. So we'll do that oh, at okay. the end after we do awards. Okay. Um, so moving right along to, the, to, to other sports news uh, in, the, in the NBA. I, so my other nominee for <clears throat> for the Bill O'Brien you know, you know, Fucked Up Right Award goes to 
our, pa- our past recipient of this award, none other than Dennis Schroeder. Our old friend Dennis Schroeder. So the Los Angeles Lakers offered him two years ago, offered him, what was it, 84, 85 million dollars, four years, 85 million dollar extension. And he said no. He, he felt that he deserved a max contract. The Lakers was like kick rocks. So he signed for, what was that, 6.8 million in Boston. Boston traded him to Houston. Guess where he's going now? Lakers. Back to the Los Angeles. Back to the Los Angeles Lakers for a paltry $2.6 million. One year, $2.6 million. Um, I have nothing else. Why are we paying that much? <laughs> it's a good point. That's a damn good point. <laughs> um, so let me... So, go ahead. Before, no, no, no. no you, go, you go ahead. I just... I'm like I'm like Greg. I, I don't know what to say about this. Yeah, I really I, don't. I have, no, I have no words. I have no idea what the what the Lakers are doing right now. What they the move that they need to make and haven't made yet, and who knows if they're going to make it? Because now you have four point guards on the roster. You have four point guards on the roster. Three of them actually fit the scheme. <coughs> They traded for Patrick Beverly. You signed Dennis Schroeder. Um, they got another point guard in there now. But you still have Russell Westbrook on your roster. At this point, you see that no one's trying to no one's trying to trade for him. $47 million at, at, for a guard that is completely just diminished offensively, doesn't play a lick of defense. Why don't they just cut him? They have a trade that's brewing, allegedly brewing with the with the Utah Jazz that could possibly net them um possibly net them um what's his name? Mike Conley and Boyan Bondanovich. Two better fits, but then Mike Conley will be redundant because you have Pat Beverly and Dennis Schroeder, who actually fit better with LeBron. Why don't they like to just cut him? Uh, because they don't want Russell to come back and turn into Pretty the much. player of old. Um, they don't want him to go somewhere else, become the player of old, and beat them. Yeah. I think at this point, I think at this point, we know that Russell ain't, ain't coming back to the old. Ain't going back to over. Uh, honestly, Q, I, I will say this. Russ has a better chance of having an MVP season over LeBron. And that's a hot take, but it's the facts. Russell West can't shoot. Having a MVP caliber season over there. Have you think about No, it's in his favor, though. Think about it. Q, it's in his favor. If he has a good season, it's an MVP season. Hear what I just said. If he has a good season, that's an MVP season. 
I don't see it happening, but okay. Well, and I, I made that hot take right before the beginning of uh, last season. I said Westbrook was going to win the MVP, and then he came out last and did what happened. he did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, Russ might be the only person who ever ended up going backwards. And even if he doesn't win MVP, he's going to get comeback player of the year. Yeah. At minimum. At minimum. Can you imagine wherever he lands, like him just averaging fucking 26 points a game, something like that, or averaging a triple-double uh, triple because it's Russ? Like, he's either going to win MVP and he's going to lose to, like, a Giannis or something. He's not losing to LeBron. When it comes to everybody who's on the Lakers, people are going to be like, wait a minute. Russ would have literally been the MVP on the Lakers. You hearing this shit first. I mean that. I really mean that shit. People want to be like, yo, like, Russ won comeback player of the year. If he wins comeback player of the year on any other team, he would have been an MVP on the Lakers. And that's a fact. If he's averaging 26 points on the Lakers with LeBron, he's considered an MVP caliber player. The only way he couldn't have won, like, if he stays with the Lakers and wins comeback uh, player of the year is because LeBron won MVP. And the AD. Oh, go ahead, Lou. No, I was just going to say, maybe last year, <laughs> maybe he purposely tanked or it shot like shit and everything just so he could win comeback player of the year because he's never won that yet. Exactly. He's won everything else. <laughs> right. He's literally won everything else. So it's like, oh, like the only thing he hasn't won is a, a ring for real. It, uh, yeah, it's a championship. Yeah. So imagine him, like, say they go and say, you know what, the Lakers have a comeback season after a really bad year. You know, they want to give it to LeBron so bad. You go and you give LeBron MVP, right? Cool. You give Russ comeback player of the year. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, this looks kind of scripted because it is, but whatever. But then NBA Finals, fucking Russ shows up the entire fucking series, ends up getting Finals MVP. Because LeBron's like, I don't need it. I'm LeBron. They're going to give that to Russ because I'm like, wait a minute. How's he going to get the comeback player of the year and then not get MVP for the NBA Finals if the Lakers win? I'm t if that shit happens, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm no longer predicting sports. I'm going to retire with that take. I'm <laughs> legitimately going to fucking retire with Please, like, we, we have to remember this episode. I don't care how we do it. We have to remember this episode because if that shit happens next May and June, I'm going to be looking like, yo, I know for a fact I've been right for a few things, but that's scary. That would yeah. actually be scary if that shit happened. It's like, this is mm -hmm. so fucking weird. <laughs> Andy wins comeback player of the year and shit. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Yo, can you imagine somebody with, but again, NBA narrative, comeback player of the year somehow ends up getting MVP of the Boy, I can't wait. I can't wait. It's going to happen. Okay. That's, I, talk about hot take. That, that's definitely one. All right. So, nothing's really going on in the NBA, so we can move right along. To the W, quickly to the WNBA. The Las Vegas Aces won the WNBA championship yesterday, on Sunday, defeating the Connecticut Sun 78 to 71. Um, this is the first professional sports title championship, uh, championship 
for the city of Los Angeles? Las Vegas. Las Vegas. Yes. I mean, you, you know what I mean. Las Vegas. This is their right, right, oh, right, right. This is their first, their first ever professional championship for the city of Las Vegas. Uh, uh, Chelsea Gray, uh, the the point guard for the Aces, won the final uh, WNBA Finals MVP. Uh, she was absolutely she was absolutely lights out. And they, really, you can say the entire playoffs, but especially in the finals, she had one game in Game Three where she threw up a clunker. Um, but in Game Four, she was absolutely unstoppable. Um, and the so Vegas had the WNBA MVP in Adrian Wilson. We had the WNBA Coach of the Year in Becky Hammond, who was also the first former player. To win an NBA, to win a WNBA cha- championship, and also the first coach in WNBA history to win a championship in their first season as as a head coach. They also had the most approved player this, of the the most approved player this season in Kelsey Plum. You know, people were saying that Becky Hammond is, is, is going to be an NBA coach real soon. I mm-hmm. after this season. They went wire to wire as the number one as the number one seed, as the number one team in the in the WNBA. I think that day is coming fast. I think that I day mean, is coming real fast. I mean, and look who she coached under in the NBA. Possibly the greatest, the greatest head coach in NBA history. Possibly, you know, arguably. So, um, yeah, she learned you know a lot from him. So. Uh, congratulations to him. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So we know that the WNBA is a hotbed for for diversity. So we have with the Aces, you have their general manager, the general front office staff, the general manager is black, the assistant GM is black. Um, on the Connecticut Sun, the head coach is a gay is a gay man. Um, and the team is owned by a Native American tribe, the Mohegan, the, the Mohegan tribe. That's the diversity that we need to see in all of sports, not just the WNBA, which we know, which we know is you know front and center when it comes to LGBTQ issues, um, you know, and all of those types, all of those types of things, but. That's just that type of diversity that you see in the WNBA. It needs to, it needs to quickly translate to all of sports, mm-hmm. so all of professional, all of professional sports. Agreed. All right, moving right up. Okay, moving right along. Our last story of the night, and it's from the world of tennis. So we've seen this season. We've seen Serena Williams hang it up as the greatest of all time in women's tennis. Last week on Friday, the GOAT on the men's side, one of the, one of the GOATs, is very damn good. Uh, Roger Federer decided to hang up his racket. Any, any, any thoughts? Uh, uh, congratulations on a great career. Um, <laughs> I I don't follow tennis 
hardly at all. Like, mm-hmm. so I'm not really going to say much about it because I don't know much about it. But I know who he is. I know, like, the kind of career he had and everything. So just, uh, you know, congratulations on a, on a great career. Absolutely, absolutely. Greg, you have anything you want to add? Oh, I'm going to just have to agree. Like, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I did, when I really used to watch tennis a lot, because I, I played in college. Um, yeah, I played in college. It was only one semester, but I played in college. Um, so, you know, I, I had to, not had to, but I did enjoy watching Roger Federer. His, his, every time he went up against Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, those were must-see, it was must-see Um, so, so congratulations, Roger Federer, on a, on a great career, on a, on a, you know, one that we can say can land can land you in the discussion of greatest all, greatest male tennis player of all time. Congratulations, enjoy the rest of your life. All right, final segment of the show. Final segment of the show. It's been such a this has been such a great episode. I really I really really enjoyed it. Um, but we move right along to our award section. Boy, do we have something to give out tonight. Boy, do we have something to give out tonight? It's to go it's, it's going to be all you guys. It, it's yours and, and Greg's. So have at it. All right. So my first award of the night, you already know what it is because I said it and I texted it last week. The Bill O'Brien, you know, you know, something like the word goes simply to Nathaniel Hackett, head coach of the Denver Broncos, because. You have a quarterback that you're paying $245 million, and I understand maybe eh, by like $5 million. And you don't put the ball in his hands when he's in his former stadium? Four from five? You have three timeouts in your back pocket? You're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're, you're, you're an idiot. You're supposed to be this offensive guru, this offensive genius? Yeah, nah. Nah, dog. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Oh, um, only award I have, it's not even an award. It's not an honorable mention. It's a what the fuck. Um, it's literally just a what the fuck. Really briefly, we talked about this with fans during the NBA season. I want to say it was this, season, uh, this year where the NBA fans were like running on the court and, you know, LeBron and like Russ and them were getting people kicked out of the games and stuff. I want that had to have been this season. It wasn't last year at all. I say that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was late this season. This season, I believe, this past season. Yeah, it was like people were just going fucking nuts. Like they're Mm -hmm. trying to run on the like. Either way, there was a Vegas Raider who grabbed Kyler Murray by the jersey, punched him in the jaw, and slapped him in the face because his team lost. So yes, I just did that. The the issue is this: the security let him go and do it. So now the fans are expressing concern about the Vegas security guards because 
of what they've been allowed to do. This has now been, I think, three occurrences in this new stadium where they've gone and attacked the opposing team. I said this when we first started, when we first realized, like, Vegas was going to be, like, a thing. I said, I was like, yo, like, Raider fans or Vegas Raider fans aren't real. They don't exist. This is a whole bunch of fucking drunk people who just ironically, either from California or Oakland specifically, no offense to y'all, but they go to Vegas and there's too much alcohol, there's too many elements there that could cause them to do bad. When the whole thing happened with the receiver in Vegas, I said this and I said I was going to put it on wax. I was going to make sure that what I said I was going to stand on. I said, there's nothing good that comes out of football being in Vegas. Nothing good has happened at that stadium or revolving that team since. And their 0-2 record shows it. The, the team is a good team. And I was the main one telling everybody, like, Vegas is going to be good this year. They're a fucking head case. They're fans. Really fucking head cases. I just, I don't have anything anymore. I I was just really disgusted. Not because Arizona's my team. I was just really disgusted at the fact that, like, there is no decorum between fans. Fans have started to forget that they're there to patronize the event, enjoy the event, and go home. Which, again, I'm going to say something very blasphemous, and please forgive me because I don't apologize. Um, They're making that Pacers at Indiana game look like... Maybe the players were right. Maybe, maybe oh, the, the malice right. at the palace. Yeah, they're, they're like the more I see this shit, it's like like you know the, between the shut up and dribbles, between the people running out of the stands, even with soccer games, they're running out streaking and shit. It's like yo, have we fucking lost our way that much? Like I get it. Like these are athletes, and you guys see them as puppets. Like they're just supposed to dance for you. Cool. The issue is. At what point do you stay in your fucking seat and just enjoy the entertainment? You want to be a part of the entertainment. If I'm worth whatever LeBron's worth or anybody else in the league is worth, and I see a fucking fan coming at me, like, whatever, I don't know what they got. It could be a knife. It could be something. I think that woman that was at that Lakers game, didn't she have a knife or something like that? And she was trying to attack. I'm like, what the, what are we doing? I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But we've seen fans. We've seen fans like just think back in tennis. Think back to nineteen ninety three. Um, Monica Sellers being stabbed on the court. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, um, nearly yeah. losing her life. Yep. Yeah, we 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 have to be more mindful um, when it comes to security. We've all been to a concert. We've all been to a show, and half the time, the people who are doing the security are watching the event, so they don't see the shit that's going around. There was a viral tweet where there was a dude who got in a fight at a, uh, at a college football game and they were escorting him out of the stadium and then he just ended up sitting at one of the seats and the security just kept on walking and forgot where the fuck they were. It's like, oh, like, they aren't there to really, like, what can they do to a fan other than walk them out? That, that's it. So I just, I'm going to land by just saying we can't really dictate what fans are going to do but just don't be mad when these fucking players become like the humans that they are in real life and retaliate mm-hmm. that's why certain people like mike evans like he will literally he 
He doesn't. He clearly don't care. He will punch the shit out of you and have no problems with it. He'll take the one game suspension, and then you'll get the permanent ban. Like, is it worth being banned from your favorite team's event because you decided you want to be a drunk dickhead? Probably not. And the thing is, you can never celebrate any team in that sport because you get banned from everything. Every you're banned from every arena or stadium. Every fucking stadium. Mm-hmm. Just, it's, it's not worth it. It really is not worth it. So that, that really threw me off because not only did you do it on camera, your friend was holding the phone, taking a video of you doing it. People just did not be impressed. So the all the awards tonight are going to just the Vegas Raiders in general because there's nothing good coming from them. Um, one positive award, though, because I do want to start giving a positive award out. I want to give an award out to the NFL. The NFL has done really good this season when I like when it comes to actual like games and entertainment. Not really a f- fan of the NFL Plus thing, but I, I won't touch on that. I'm not a fan of the Thursday Night Football Amazon Prime thing. That is garbage. But overall, uh, what, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I'll land here. Go ahead. I'll end here by just saying that I've been really impressed with the quality of football that I've seen for two weeks. It has been really good football to watch. Like Sunday games, Monday games have been really entertaining. I really hope that they implement this like two game Monday night football thing for the foreseeable future. Like not every week, but like, you know what? Just like every like four weeks out of the what 18 week season have two games every Monday night, like every four Monday nights. It'll be really good, really entertaining. So I'll just land there. Q, what were you about to say? Okay, so going going back to the so, – so there have been some serious issues with, with um, streaming. Uh, and hey, games, hey, streaming amen. Like, Horrible. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's been terrible. Like Amazon Prime on Thursday, that was an absolute – Disaster to watch. It was a shit show, um, yeah. An absolute shit show. Like there was the, the, the quality, the video quality wasn't clear. It was times where even if you're watching in 4K, it's like seeing snowfall. Um, Sunday Ticket has been a has been a shit show. I can speak yep. to that personally. I have, I can speak to S- that personally. So same week one, week one. I was you know. Greg and I was together. So I'm like, okay, I want to be able to watch, I want to be able to watch the game. You know, or, or watch or watch Red Zone as the San Francisco Chicago game was in the was, was was playing on the TVs. I we were nowhere near FedEx Field. Nowhere near FedEx Field. FedEx Field was like 15, 10, 15 miles away. It kept the app kept saying, you're, it looks like it looks like you're either near or in an NFL stadium. And I'm looking like, no, I'm not. But here's the thing. I'm closer, where I live, I'm closer to FedEx Field from where I live than where I, you know, than my physical location at that time. They came on just fine. Worked on my TV just fine before I left out to, to meet Greg. Last week, I mean, on yesterday, you could not stream like the the, the one PM games. You could not stream them at all because there was an issue with there was an issue with Directv. Right? Ticket. Yeah, because 
I was at work and I was trying to watch the Steelers game on DirecTV on, on my phone on a, the Sunday ticket. And I think I saw maybe half of the first quarter and then boom, it was, it was gone until the four o'clock games. Yeah, I tried because I wanted to watch the games as I was heading over to the house. I, I, I wanted to watch Red Zone, you know, uh, uh, Red Zone because at 12 o'clock they, they broadcast Fox NFL Sunday. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So the second recipient of the Bill O'Brien, you know, you're going to fuck that right award, goes to NFL Sunday ticket. This is two weeks in a row. Is this a third? Is, is this, ha- this shit happens again next week. They've already had to give out partial refunds for last week and for this and for week two. If it goes to week three, I say the NFL needs to cancel the fucking contract and just give it a give it to Apple or give it to Amazon or give it to give it to Disney. Who, who, who the fuck ever? Or or go ahead and this season. Make it make NFL Plus free, because this was a shit show. There you go. Absolutely there you go. Shit show. Well, locally or, or locally, yeah. I'm sorry. Luckily, this Thursday, um, the Brown Steelers game is on Amazon Prime, and I don't want to watch that crappy Amazon Prime shit again. So they are showing the game on local TV here, so I'll be able to watch it on ABC. Thank goodness. Okay, well, that's a good. The picture quality should be a little clear. They'll have, I, I, they'll have, I hope they'll so. Have a Disney, they'll have a Disney crew in there. Um, <laughs> or maybe Disney uh, ESPN cameras. But, yeah. Um, yeah. This, this, this is bad. Like, this is the, so, you get it. This is the last year that DirecTV is going to have the NFL. is going to have Sunday ticket. So, naturally, it's like, all right, you know, let's just shit through this season. But, come on, people are. You know how much directing that direct the Sunday ticket package is? It's two hundred sixty nine dollars. It's two hundred sixty nine dollars, and that's just for like regular Sunday ticket. If you get the expanded plus uh, direct uh, direct uh, Sunday ticket extra, that's three hundred and fifty. Jeez, people are spending a lot of money. For it to have, yep. for, 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 for to have shitty service. Mm. So, NFL, the NFL, DirecTV, y'all motherfuckers need to get the shit together. Mm. They need to get the shit together. I want to be able on Sunday to stream, and you know, I have I have a friend. We know who that friend is. We share this. We share the Sunday ticket account. That I didn't pay for, <laughs> but like, come on now, people are spending a lot of money to be able to watch out of market games and it not be on streaming, which is a great alternative. It's a great alternative because it's free, but people are spending a lot. Of, people are spending a lot of money to be able to watch out of market, watch their teams, watch teams out of market games. NFL, you need to do better. You need to be better. And with that being said, with that being said, that is our show for this week. I thank you so much for tuning in. For you, for those of you who listen live on stereo, and for those of you who catch the episode when it drops on Wednesday, when it drops on Wednesday on your favorite streaming platform. 
podcast streaming platform. I'm your boy Q. That's Lou. That's Greg. Cashy was on earlier. We thank her for, for coming on. Um, again, we thank you for listening. Please drop us a follow if you care to do that on the bird or on the gram. Um, on Instagram, we are Young Black Pod. On the, on the Bluebird, we are YB Bothered. It, there's one more thing we have to do. That's our uh, four picks for next week. So let's quickly do that, real quick. All I'm right. Just gonna pick four ran- I'm going to pick four random games and just give me who you think is going to win. All right, first game is first game is uh, the Buffalo Bills versus the Miami Dolphins in Miami, 1 p.m. Sunday. Who you got? Buffalo. Buffalo. Okay, second, and I am going to pick Miami. Upset special. Second game. Second game. The Los Angeles Rams uh, visiting the Arizona Cardinals at 425. Who you got? I'll take the Rams. Okay. Arizona Cardinals. All right. And I, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Rams as well. All right. 425 p.m., which is going to be America's Game of the Week. The Green Bay Packers visiting the Tampa Bay Brady Nears in Tampa. 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 Tampa wins in a blowout. Brady is pissed. And our final game, our final game that we're going to pick, we have, you know, I'm going to pick the Monday night game. It's going to be the Sunday night game, 8.20 p.m. The San Francisco 49ers going up to Denver to play the Broncos. Niners. 49ers. 49ers for me. Um, Russ just don't have it right now. Just He just doesn't have it yet. He just he doesn't have the connection with his receivers. He looks very uncomfortable in Denver 49ers. All right. That was great, guys. Great show. We'll see you next week. Yes, have sir. Have a wonderful, have a wonderful week, everybody. And we'll see you next Monday, same bat time, same bat channel, here on the Young Black and Bobby Sports Desk. Have a good night, everyone. Y'all have, y'all have a good week. Peace out. Hey, do you have the Wi-Fi password? Common words everyone has said in an airport, coffee shop, or any public place with free internet. Don't fall victim to internet hackers while using free internet thanks to NordVPN. NordVPN is one of those services you tell yourself you don't need until it's too late. We've used the NordVPN to browse the web, check bank accounts, and even stream apps like Netflix. It's the only VPN service that lets you bypass ISPs, perfect for when your job has sites you frequent like Facebook is blocked. It's the best VPN service you can get for both price and performance. Install NordVPN on up to six devices, including your smartphone, tablet, and desktop, and experience the service for yourself. Start protecting yourself and your content with NordVPN by heading over to nordvpn.com forward slash YBAB at checkout and save 75% on your subscription. <laughs>